0: Happy Festivus. Hello. Hello! Welcome all.
1: It is Friday night generational change and it is our Festivus. I'm Jen.
0: I'm Peter. And uh, this is a special holiday as it should be for everybody. Uh, it doesn't involve decorating a tree or lighting menorah or doing anything silly. Uh, we're not praying to anybody. We have but, uh, a Fest.
1: This is the Festivus poll.
0: That's the poll? The Festivus poll. No. Yeah. That's and the festivus
1: pole, well the festivus pole is a plain pole it is not to have any decor because tinsel is distracting tinsel's distracting, huh well that's one of the that's one of the things but anyway so do you, we're going to start by reading the story of the festivus
0: well let's hope that our <laughs> hey apparently your name is Janet now hey Danny. <laughs> if you See, guys I find
1: tinsel distracting
0: Oh, uh, tinsel can be very distracting
1: tinsel can be very distracting so
0: and we, we don't have to we don't have to do gift exchange which is something that i think a lot of people like uh please hit the so
1: for people who don't know this is obviously a reference to seinfeld i you know i always assume people know but there's a lot of people that don't really know what we're talking about um with the festivus but um really there's three different parts to festivus and Double K. You're the best. I,
0: You are the, the best, best. Um, but we didn't ask for this. No. So if you're giving it out of the kindness of your heart, we no, certainly appreciate No, and she knows it. that
1: it's going to like do what we're doing, which is just educating people and serving the community. Gary, I'm going like, to
0: assume wherever you are, it's probably pretty cold as it is for a lot of people, including one of our first guests who may or may not be here. We're hoping that he is because we know that the wind, the wind. Weather- and I don't know.
1: He, he gave me a heads up. I mean, Steve is like, it's really windy. They're losing power. And I, I don't know what the story is. He apparently ventured out of his nest for food. Food. Oh. To and, and to be able to like, you know, I think he lives like in mountains.
0: Well, he lives in the rural part of Yeah, but A. he's somewhere
1: like mountain like, I believe.
0: There will be lots of airing of grievances, but we will start before we bring in our guests. Yes. The festivist holiday pencils for festivists. Okay, so
1: guys, oh. these are really funny. So I am gonna be per- yes, this the is people gonna
0: be super chat supporters this evening.
1: Will be their their top Super Chat supporters this evening will be getting holiday pencils for Festivus. It is a pack of pencils and they all have different Festivus sayings on them. They're hilarious, actually. It's really entertaining. And it looks like
0: we're getting an issue with our signal already. I mean, hopefully it holds, but it seems that uh, there is this, well, it doesn't seem, there is this Arctic front that has swept the country. That's what I'm talking about. And that's where Grumbine is. We need a Festivus miracle. Maybe we'll get a Festivus miracle. We We need a Festivus miracle. Uh uh wanna try your phone. Who's trying? Uh Steve. Oh maybe Steve. try his phone. Uh, if he could do his phone, that would be fine. We can do it that way, which might work. It's just sad. He could tell uh, us how life is. Yeah, it is. All right. We so, do give
1: it to people in need. Thank you, Double do. K.
0: So many Christmases ago, the holiday for the rest of us, many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As the rain blows upon him, I realized, has to be another way. The doll was destroyed, but out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us.
1: <laughs> so guys tonight- so We don't want to get
0: hit with a copyright infringement, which we did last year, by airing the origin story of right, Festivus. Right, right. <laughs> but this is the but this is the second annual festivist that we are doing we will have we we have two traditions as as jen uh, likes to do per year we have our 420 uh live stream Yeah, I like and we much. have our festivist so almost uh almost well not 6 months uh, about 4 months and change separates uh between now and when that would happen so we're going yes. To spring yes um, so but
1: this is always fun we're going to air our grievances and um, you can't take we the have, hat off. I have to. It's so warm now. All though. right, then we'll
0: trade. You're gonna wear this one this No, is
1: it's warm. No, I, can't.
0: It's, I can't. It's not. People, I don't wanna be
1: schwitzy. I'm sitting, I don't want to be sitting in a schwitz.
0: Ah, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> this, no, this then you wear the good this one. is better for me anyway. I yeah, this am is not putting it on. We're going to get your I know. Sticks. So guys, if you haven't smashed warm. the like button, please. I'm do. wearing get my it out Festivus shirt. Carrie, if your intention is to get yourself a collection of festivals, you're, 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 you're on it. You're on it already. But let's get this out there. So, without further ado, we are going to bring in our wonderful guest this evening. Hopefully, it will be three for the first panel. It might be two. So we're That's okay. That's okay. Because the
1: truth is, we're two. So, it's really four.
0: Whatever. I'm just saying. He is a very funny comedian, and I mean that in the most genuine way possible. Not like Funny How, not like he's a clown or (laughs) somebody that I want to give a hard time to. No, he's just funny. But he is uh, somebody we think very highly of. We have actually – interestingly enough, when Jen and I hatched the idea – when to, well, well, we'll tell him about okay, it and yeah. bring him in. Uh, but you know him for many years in the progressive movement. Yes, you know him for the years on the Jimmy Dore Show, but he is out on his own. He is doing his thing. And of course, he's now a regular contributor to one of our favorite channels, Status Coup,
1: which is recently where I saw him and Tina talking and something was so hilarious which is when i texted you anyway yeah tell him
0: ron
2: placone welcome back to generational change hello happy festivus good to see you guys good to see
1: you i can't exactly even remember look it's me i'm baked whatever but like at some point recently you and tina were doing i don't even know what you're talking about and you said something it was so funny and i messaged him and i said please make sure you invite ron for festivus i don't Uh, remember. what So funny! I think you guys are great
2: together, actually. Aw, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Tina's cool. It's a yeah, it's a fun back and forth. So, well, thank the you. things
0: that you guys cover have obviously been great, and I did hear your uh, your conversation with the, the gentleman the other day who was talking about the uh, Twitter files regarding the, the JFK assassination, which I thought was very interesting, but not anything I think we would consider. I, I think it was just uh, confirmation of what we had always assumed, which was the CIA had a hand. In uh, Jack's assassination, Oswald so, acted alone. He absolutely did. Uh, at least some mastermind. At least according he's to the, the newspapers. Anyway, he's
1: the mastermind. This will be a fun
0: conversation to have because <laughs> our other guest that we are bringing on yeah. is a good friend of the show. You know him as being stuck in the middle, trying to decide which side of populism. Well, now it's middle on. MAGA,
1: and I want to ask about that. Oh, Bring him in here, here. Where we need, we have some talk, and we're going to air some grievances. Osiris, welcome back
0: to Generational Change.
3: Let's go. What's good? Happy Festivus i am a seinfeld fan from back in the day so i got it you what's up understand. ron what's up man how are you big, big fan of your your work yeah we oh, can get into you. it well, we, we gotta air out grievances already no, we just we air grievances yet. Yeah, i just want to know tell me what yeah,
1: is, the... what is middle <laughs> maga? what does that mean
3: uh, like welcome, well, welcome, welcome to welcome to the yeah channel. i don't know welcome what to, that you. is I know. <laughs> ron's like who's this dude no but okay,
1: so um, Cyrus, ron osiris hmm? had a show that we started following and we very much like called stuck in the middle and okay. it was a podcast really that would just talk reasonable things to different people and not be any particular whatever it was they're friendly. And now I look okay. at his name as middle MAGA. So I need to know what in the world is middle MAGA. <laughs> I'm curious.
3: I mean, what is that? Yeah. So I'm here. I'm just like a, I'm just like a guy trying to throw a drop of water in the ocean. And what I mean by that is I want to control what MAGA means. I know it has this make America great again. It's got this connotation of whatever pops that red hat, but I want to take it to just mean populism. Uh, it, you know, the reason why I did this, Ron and, and Peter and Jen, is I love Jimmy Dore. I also love Steve Bannon. So I'm like stuck in the middle of kind of this populist both sides, um, which, I, which I respect. And that's the middle. I'm not in the middle of like Schumer and uh, McConnell right. or whatever. That's corporate. But that's kind of what it is. It's like, uh, I don't know if you heard this term, Jackson Hinkle uh, was really pushing it MAGA communism. I've been really pushing it, and the reason why I'm passionate about it is we're not going to turn this country around without bonding with people that, like, Jen and Peter, they are cool. They are not my enemy, so why don't we work together and bond even if we don't agree on everything? So that's all it is.
1: Okay, cool. You're reclaiming that because the truth is, is the phrase, make America great again, well— we all know that it has never been necessarily truly great. Like there's always been improvement to be had, but I get what you're saying. Like there's nothing that should be particularly, you know, nefarious or Trumpian about the phrase, make America great again. It really is just a phrase. Like it's not anything offensive in and of itself. So I yeah. see what you're saying, yeah. Oh,
3: even I was a, a. O., big AOC supporter before to me, she exposed herself as a fraud um, in the before times before the pandemic. And there's a clip going viral of AOC basically saying, it's like 2017 saying, yeah, make America great again. It's actually not that bad of a phrase if you mean this. Right. We're in a post-modern um, society, like, Words don't mean anything. So, uh, like, I try to tell people on the populist, right, like, cause the word communism is like a trigger to them. And I get it. Yeah. And then the other side, the word MAGA is a trigger to them. And I'm like, if 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 mega communism really means just based politics, then don't worry about the label.
0: Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. And yeah. I think that what we talk about a lot on the show is that there is a lot of crossover with progressives and libertarians on a number of issues, whether it is... You know we we all want to come to a consensus about the importance of labor in this country and i'm getting a lot from even the populist right as much as the populist left that you know there is way too much of a control factor when it comes to management shareholders and the like after what the president just did with the railroad workers you know we need to be focusing on the core issues that can bring us together Healthcare is another one. Uh, I heard a couple of uh, conversations recently. Uh, there are some who have disputes about whether or not a single payer system is the answer. To me, it's what works all over the world. It's what will work in the United States if we had it. And then the same is true for ending the wars, criminal justice reform, and of course, having a clean energy grid, which if we don't figure that out at some point, what the hell's the point of arguing? Because we're not gonna have mm-hmm. a happy planet to live on anyway. So uh, these types of issues and these types of conversations, I think, are key. Ron, would love to get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't put much stock in many labels these days. I mean, mean, these terms are, are kind of important for like a jumping off point, but they've been so bastardized and reassessed. And I mean, you know, I always say anarchy is a lot like ice cream. There's so many different flavors. You're bound to find something you like. And uh, which is true, you know, because it, it runs the gamut from mutualism, which is very far left, to, you know, like cap, which is like very far right. Um, right wing populism, if you look at the history of populism, like uh, uh, a really good reference, I think, is Thomas Frank's book called The People Know. Um, Right wing populism is actually an oxymoron. It's it's not really a thing when you look at what populism actually was. Uh that term's been kind of reassessed. It means different things to different people. Um, I I'm not opposed to people using it now. It's just the real it's just the world we're living in. Like people use it all over the world. Like even I mean, I was just in Italy, like um, mm. you know, you'll hear different things um, uh, labeled right-wing populism there. So, so I don't know. I mean, I, I know that it, it is honestly like a, uh, a result of our postmodern world, but, but I also think it's, um, I think part of it is a result as of the Overton window in the United States is so freaking limited yes. that people just start making shit up <laughs> because we all need something. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always asked well, what exactly are you? And if
3: I had what to pick- are you? What, what are you? What are you? What to are me, you? I, to I me, like you're a populist human. left. But yeah, what are you? Well, how would you describe yourself? I mean, that yourself?
2: tracks. I mean, yeah, hmm. I, I think like leftist would be like the most simple way, populist left. If I had to pick one-ist, I, I think socialist is definitely yeah. me. And I think as far as like transitioning the United States away from capitalism, mm-hmm. I, I think a market socialist uh, model would be- the best way to go. I mean, realistically, I, I would actually like to be a little further left than that. But, you know, if we're being mm-hmm. realistic, how to transition out of capitalism, I think like a market socialist model would, would work here pretty well, actually. So, so I yeah, think, I mean, I guess that's what I am. But
1: I think we conflate economics with governance in terms of what's left and right. Like what our political left and right is in this country. I've had people tell me you're, you're, you're so left. And I'm like, you have never even met the left you've not seen the left if I'm the left to you you don't even know what that means so like when we say left and right here politically we think red blue democrats republicans like that and or we think socially liberal more socially conservative so like when I hear the term populist right what I noted that to mean like when I talk to people like Osiris and people what I think of are people that do believe in labor and populism and that type of economic justice. However, socially and in other ways, they tend to be more conservative as opposed to um, people like more like us. That's what I would think. Like in terms, so. Mm-hmm. But I think the common denominator being the populism, but th- what Ron is saying, I believe, which is true from a, I guess, theoretical Marxist kind of perspective, populism and right... T- there, it is an oxymoron because the concept is when you're on the left, you're about the pro- proletariat, like the left is where it's, and I'm not saying com- communal in terms of communism, but where it's the power of the, co- of the people. And the further to the right is generally more authoritarian, Okay, so it depends on what spectrum we're looking on, right? Like we're not, you're, we're kind of conflating economic and um, government systems. That's all I want. Like that, I think is where it gets complicated for people.
3: My yes, so. No, go ahead, Asaj. Oh, no, just real quick. It's, I think it's, it came out of necessity because how do you, because right now people don't put Jimmy Dore and Steve Bannon in the same basket. So you would have to put them in the same basket to get rid of the left and right. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that, Peter? Well, I think right now
0: we're looking at a a situation where there are a lot of issues that most people can come together on, particularly uh, and if we're talking about airing of political grievances. Yes, we should start airing grievances. (laughs) The number one grievance I have with the U.S. Congress is this idea that they're going to pass this omnibus bill that is chock full of a whole bunch of bad stuff, and they want to highlight – the two or three percent of it that's actually going to help desperate people and think you see we're doing good things we're also doing a lot of bad stuff but we don't want to highlight that we want to highlight these little trickles of these, these what do you like to call it it's like may i have a
2: scraps may i have i i'm focused zone?
1: on how you said omnibus because when right. i was a kid there was this really cool like indoor amusement park down in miami called omni the omni it was like this little under and it had this amazing carousel and whenever i heard the term omnibus i always thought it was like a bus to go to the Omni like and I remember thinking yeah anyway
0: Sorry. Well, the omnibus. omnibus. Well, omnibus. Well, the Omni is actually where the Atlanta Hawks used to play basketball. But I digress. Uh, I I also think it's important to recognize that one of the primary issues that was supposed to be dealt with before the end of this session, the end of the Pelosi reign, and what better way to sort of highlight what a failure neoliberalism has been in this country? (sighs) Most people generally agree overwhelmingly that we need to end the stock trading of our federal representatives, and the fact that that couldn't even get a vote much less be included in this package. Yeah, Um, let's be clear. All the populists like that idea. Yet apparently in this this Omnibus package, there's billions of dollars for corporate media. Omnibus. You keep saying Omnibus. Omnibus. Isn't that what it's called? I I mispronounced it.
2: Omnibus. Omnibus. Uh, yeah, um, like like, like it's Omnibus. like a transformer thing. <laughs>
3: just call it okay, well, no, I'm so so anytime I
1: hear I hear Pelosi, I, I really it goes almost to the top of my grievances. well like well, her alone can satisfy an entire like I could do a whole night of just grievances about
0: her. Can't the whole working class of this country just unite around the fact that our government doesn't serve us in case in point we have le- legalized inside of <laughs> That is so unbelievable. Okay.
1: Something I found out last night. This is really interesting, speaking of Nancy Pelosi. So shout out to our favorite candy store in Malt Manor's, to The Moon. I was actually there last night, which is where I got my Festivus pencils. They carry Jenny's ice cream. And lo and behold, they have a relationship with the Jenny's ice cream people and they know things. So remember when Nancy Pelosi was showing off all her fancy ice cream during COVID from, the ice cream, from her expensive freezer and everyone's like, she doesn't even pay for that ice cream. It's sent to her for free.
3: Really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Lord. It just gets worse.
1: <laughs> I just I literally just found that out last maybe night. Maybe we
0: maybe we could get uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream for free if we just start talking. I about I don't
3: it need all the time.
1: ice cream yeah. for free, but sure as shit, neither does she.
3: Now, what, what do you what do y'all think about? I heard AOC. I didn't double check this myself. I heard AOC voted against it. Is that true?
0: I uh, haven't checked the votes. Okay, yet, but it would not surprise I you. I mean, you know, What's good in it, I, guys? Is there anything good in the package?
2: Uh, well i can answer that okay um, what's
0: in
2: it well here here's an example well, i can't i can't like speak to everything but but i think so, this uh, is sort of a snapshot that that kind of shows like what they did um one of the things that i really went to the map for most of this year was uh was a campaign for two pieces of antitrust legislation that really would have went very far in breaking up big tech uh two bills called oma and ACOA. they would have uh stopped amazon's practice of manipulating search results same with google and they would have ended apple's pretty much monopoly on app stores and uh you know charging alternative apps commissions and stuff like that uh these bills were actually pretty popular they were really good pieces of antitrust legislation it would have been the best antitrust we've seen since the freaking 1980s and uh chuck schumer promised to vote and he just was able to successfully wait out the clock i mean in mm-hmm. our last hell mary attempt was putting this in the omnibus, Chuck Schumer didn't do it because he is totally compromised by big tech. Tons of Democrats and Republicans alike are, but Chuck Schumer is one of the kings. And, uh, you know, the buck stopped with him, so he was able to wait out the clock. But one of the things that they did in this package as sort of like, a well, here's a couple crumbs, is they did give like a significant chunk of change to a bunch of antitrust um, agencies. So it's like, okay, that's cool, then nothing. <laughs> But what are they going to so do like with it? M- what are they going to do with the money?
1: So you're basically you're you're just perpetuating this idea that there is some form of resistance.
2: I'm not perpetuating any idea. They're I'm saying what they no, 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 no.
1: By giving that side money, it's like you're. That's what right. I'm saying. They're they're creating the Mick resistance. It's they're making it look like they're doing something when in fact they're not.
2: Yeah, they're <laughs> they're throwing you like an inkling of a scrap, like so because they know they pissed a lot of people off by not having these bills because there was a hell of a hell of an effort around them so they're like well okay we were worried the votes weren't there for the bills which is which is bullshit the votes were there but they're like we're worried the votes weren't there for the bills but but i mean look at all this money we gave to to antitrust for them to you know make make you know sternly worded speeches when the cameras are on or whatever it is they actually do because uh they haven't really stopped any mergers for a very very long time and now it's come to our groceries so buckle in us
1: right yeah
0: I don't see anything changing regardless of who is in charge. I think we are a completely corporate captured country and we have to be really realistic about how we're getting ourselves out of this. And to me, it's going to take a labor revolution in this country in order to change that fact. You wanna have a general strike, you wanna have some semblance of shutting down the economy on behalf of the workers, something's gotta give. And unless that happens, we're just slowly but surely falling down the mountain at this point because we have no leverage. And the way these bills are designed, you know, they're written by corporate lobbyists and they pass them. They're not actually doing anything, you know, to answer on behalf of the will of the people. I mean, anyone who thinks that, you know, I, I if you you know, God bless you if you're still taking the blue pill. I know I can't. I can't live in ignorance And I never could. I try. The good news is is that most people are kind of waking up to this. The question now becomes, you know, how are we going to sort of link up, have some form of solidarity regarding workers? Because to me, that's where it's at. Yeah,
2: that's the million dollar question, man. That really is. Uh, I wish I had like a like a really extensive, solid answer. But I think that's kind of what we're trying to figure out. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day. You know, a couple years ago, Bernie, to his credit, showed us that we weren't as alone as we thought we were. You know, I mean, I think that the left in general is still the smallest group politically in this country, I, I think by a lot, actually. But uh, we're not as small as we thought we were, there, there's a little bit more of us than we realized. I think politically, I mean, I always say like being the left, being a leftist in the United States, is like being a surfer in Nebraska and your only way to get to the ocean (laughs) is by walking. But, um, and I do think that's actually being too generous, but, um, but we're not as small in numbers as we thought we were. And of course we have some commonalities, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't agree with libertarians on everything, but we agree about war most of the time. You know, we both want to end the war machine. Uh, we We agree about the corporate capture of our politics. We might not always agree on how to solve it, but we agree that it exists. So, hey, let's start there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think we need a general strike. I think anything less is not enough. Um, But as far as like how do you pull something like that off? I mean, that's going to take a whole lot of cooperation more than we have right now. And it's nobody's fault that that's the case because we live in a country where so many people are like one or two paychecks away from going under that they can't wrap their head around such a thing and I don't blame them. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is happy holidays. And, and <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, you know, I did kind of take a white pill from that because I don't know if it's as hard wait, as- wait, we- can I
2: can I jump in real quick yeah, here? Yeah, 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 I need yeah, yeah. a little help. What does that mean? I, I don't know oh. I don't understand all the pill terminology. Like like oh I don't, sorry, yeah.
3: I I, 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 I use to this explain stuff to like me. everybody knows it. Sorry, the white pill is like optimism. Okay. Black, black okay. pill is like I'm very pessimistic and dark.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just say okay. these
3: terms. I'm an internet geek at this point. Sorry. Okay. I am, but you know, it sounds like it's I a down. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like it's a down topic, but I don't know. I'm thinking about it and I'm like, is it really that hard? I I don't know. I don't know if it's really that hard. Right now, you mentioned kind of just to use these labels because I don't have the vocabulary to do others. You got the populist left, libertarians. I like libertarians a lot too. And you got maybe the populist right. Man, neither none of us have the numbers to do anything. So we don't have the numbers separated, and that's the that's by design, I think. But. Is it really that hard? Like you said, I just saw, you know, Peter did that video on Bernie and how he turned his back on the the bill with Yemen. Uh, You know, I think all those groups I just mentioned uh, are against the war. I think all the groups that we just mentioned are for the workers, for the people. And I challenge people on the MAGA side. I think that's one of their biggest missed opportunities. If you can get them to click on, they didn't have any message for workers during the midterms that I, that I heard resonate. And I think they could do that and we could we could you get the people who are prominent on all of these spectrums. I actually don't think it's that hard. If you get the prominent people together, everybody's echo chambered because of social media, but the the good thing is if you get kind of the head people in a lot of these factions getting together, you might be able to pull something off.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, the one thing you can say about the populist right is that they're at least willing to do something they're at least willing to try something different because right now they've literally scared you know kevin mccarthy to death to the point in which you know he's trying to throw things out there like yeah well i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that whereas nobody on the left even dared to challenge hakeem jeffries taking over as the house minority speaker and well this was forced this is forced to vote
3: it's forced to vote on the populist right. Yeah, they're doing more than than happened um, um, when the the whole forced to vote campaign went on with Jimmy and everything. They the populist left did nothing in in D.C. We're seeing a little bit more from the right right now.
0: And that's not and and again, I think that that's where, you know, Ron talks about and Jen talks about where this drift towards fascism becomes more real, just as it would be if it was on the left and getting too much into, you know, the the corporate neoliberalism, because the problem that we still have is that the system is designed for the cream to rise to the top and for people that are taking advantage of this idea that the sort of America first policy, which is buy American, uh, pay a living wage, have universal health care instead of, oh, you just don't want to bring business to other countries. Well, no, it's not that we don't want other countries to have business. We don't want to employ slave labor in Southeast Asia, which is taking jobs away from people here in the United States who are desperate to have a living wage. And since we have no labor laws in this country, they just tell them, fuck them. We'll screw them anyway. And there's nothing they can do about it. And the fact that the fight is happening so much more on the right than it is on the left, I mean, it's almost inexcusable at this point. I mean, if one person, whoever it is, whether it's AOC, whether it's Rashida Tlaib, whether it's Jamal Bowman, whether it's even somebody like Ro Khanna, who is not very inspiring, (laughs) nice guy. But even if somebody just stood up and said, we're not taking this shit anymore, you want to primary me? Fine, primary me. I've got thousands, tens of thousands of people who will agree with what I'm doing. I may not get the same fundraising I used to, but if the people are behind me, some shit's going to get done. And I kind of feel like it's just going to take one person to to make that change. That's going to inspire others to say, you know what? Yeah, we, we got to do something. Well, if, if
2: that if that one person is a politician, uh, then I mean that that's the most hopeless thing I've ever heard. I, with that I no friends, Peter. I, but, but, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, we need our, we need our Lucy Parsons. We need our Emma Goldman. We need our Eugene Debs Eugene who Debs. actually did but, and that's an interesting guy to bring up because Eugene Debs, uh, he actually was in office for two years. Does anybody remember that? No, not really, because he's known for everything else he did as a freaking outsider. And that's what we're missing we need li- like like the the Joe Hill hey I live in San Pedro the the labor area of Los Angeles because it's it's where the port is and uh, we got a big old Joe Hill statue in the middle of town uh, you know and, and that's somebody that nobody messes with regardless of your political acumen. Uh, so I mean that's that's what we're missing and I mean I don't know how to find that person or, or persons. Well, I have but, an uh, idea. I they do, think it I,
1: comes from labor. I, think, I mean, it comes from yeah, labor, and that's yeah. where it's going to have to come from. We, it, it'll, And that should, I mean, it's like a chicken and an egg problem because you, I agree, we need a general strike, but we're a country without any sort of safety net or healthcare or infrastructure to support mm-hmm. people if they can have a general strike, and that's, a, like, we are so spiraled down that every step is so much harder to do it because the general strike is really the only way to really shut shit down here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like
1: I would have loved for the railroad and and UPS and, and everybody to strike at the same time over the holidays would have been amazing well, to make. Well,
0: you guys haven't been on the show for a little while. And the last time uh, you know, I we were at the polls on election day, I was talking with um, one of the one of the leaders of the firefighters union, and he was talking about the importance of a living wage, the importance of universal health care. I mean, that is a huge thing with the firefighters. Um, because of all the shit that they have to deal with. Because as you guys probably followed the story with Jon Stewart, there are certain cancers that are covered for mm. firefighters and other cancers that are not. Right. Which oh, are, yeah. And of course the cancers that are not covered are the ones that you know, most right. of of firefighters susceptible mm. get are susceptible to getting. Shocking,
2: right? It's so and, ridiculous.
0: And, and <laughs> so when you have those components put together, when you have civil liberties put together, when you have even criminal justice reform put together, they agree. What was unique about this gentleman is that he is a Trump DeSantis supporter to the bone. And so when you bring the labor component into the equation, that's when all of this division shit tends to go out the window. Because you could be in the Teamsters Union, for example, which is fairly split between Bernie supporters and Trump supporters, but they're all populist. They're all rank and file. They're all seeking a better life and they realize that it's, it's that whole, what, you know, it's like, well, they came for the so-and-so and, but I didn't say anything. Well, they're just
1: their workers. Look, if this is a class yeah. war. This is, is a class war. So, you know, the people that realize that the sooner, the better, like that's just would be helpful because that's what's happening here. Everything else is sort of like these fictional
0: dividers. Um, but you put yourself under the labor uh, umbrella. Yeah. And most people are willing to, for, you know, Set aside their differences, and that is the key. And is there is there a labor leader in this country who's willing to step up? Frankly, is there a labor leader in this country who's willing to primary Joe Biden in twenty twenty four? Because to me, that message that would be get so cool. the loudest. If somebody's imagine? willing to, yeah, I could have If there was
1: somebody like a Jimmy Hoffa type person out there that like w- would do something like that. I
0: know people the, are been on like a Sarah Nelson to do yeah. it, but uh, if there was, if there was like just that rough and tough, almost like John Fetterman, like down in the weeds type of hard hitting labor guy or lady for that matter, that's willing to challenge the president and really all more or less could just run on the fact that. President Biden passed the most anti-labor legislation since Reagan fired the air traffic that controllers 40 years ago. I mean, that would inspire a lot. Of yeah. That's yeah
3: what I, I mean, everybody has different thoughts on it. But my first thought is, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm 100% for it. Jimmy Dore is my first thought. I, I would support him. I, I hope he doesn't. I'm not even joking. I hope he does announce. now. So I, I heard rumors he was thinking about it. But um the people that I talk to on the poppers' left, I've not talked to one person that doesn't like Jimmy Dore. Well, we- you're talking to a person who well, knows Jimmy and I know I you guys have you,
0: I would not I would not support him because again for Jimmy, it does it's not that he doesn't hit and, and Ron has mentioned this before, it's not mm-hmm. like Jimmy doesn't hit on the right issues, but you also have to recognize that. For a lot of these guys, this is also a career. This is a job, and there are certain ways that one goes about it. You're not going to see Jimmy on the picket lines. You're not going to see Jimmy traveling out to Standing Rock and fighting with the people who are trying to stop the, uh, the aggressive pipeline drilling in native lands. You're not going to see that type of thing. That's not to say that his commentary, it doesn't hit the right notes for the right mm-hmm. people. I'm not saying that that isn't the case. What, what about Tulsi? Saying- what about Tulsi? Tulsi Gabbard made her bed. She decided that her career
2: was. Yeah, who to- knows? Who knows what she'll stand for a year from now?
4: Correct.
0: Mm.
2: Tulsi Gabbard, I, I trust her as far as I can throw her. So. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't support her. I, I, I would, and I used to think highly of her, but but yeah, the yeah only I, mean, person I I would go. I've with. had egg on my face for her. Yeah,
0: I, would, God, I was wrong about her. The one person that's out there who that has we been floated would,
3: support would, would be Mary. Jesse Turner. Yeah. Now, oh, I love Jesse. I loved yeah. you. He was on your show the while back. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Come on, come on, Ron. No, I like Ron. Jesse. It's, it's not a matter of liking or Ooh, disliking. Yeah. It, it's a matter of who is somebody who could potentially at the very, very least grab 5% somewhere oh, in a general. Yeah. Who is that person? And, you know, I mean, the person who has gotten closest in the past eight years is Jill Stein. She got about to with the green party. Um, unless maybe, I mean, unless like one of the libertarians did better, I'm not sure, but
1: I just think the green party, yeah, I know. They're the best best
2: third party we got though. I mean, the the greens have plenty of problems, but they're the best third party we got. (laughs) <laughs> well, if there was Or, or any- as far as the left is concerned, I mean, I mean, you know, Greens versus Libertarians, you know, I, I don't know about enough about the Libertarian Party as far as numbers go. But no, as the far Green- as
1: existing third parties, that's it. But to me, and I've said it a million times. Just their name alone, even, is just too niche to appeal to enough people to have any sort of like. It's real a
2: valid identity. concern. Yeah, I mean that that's a valid concern. I I don't dispute that. So it's almost I mean, like green
1: hippie. And look, I was a Stein voter, <laughs> so I get it. Like I'm not, yeah. you know, I I will vote for as. I will generally vote for as left as whatever is on the menu, you know, but- and if that's a green person, that's a green person. But I think that they make some very poor choices politically and strategically and that they just don't appeal to enough people.
3: That to me. It's going to be tough if you're going to go through the Democratic Party. If Bernie couldn't do it in 2016, then I don't know who can. Yeah. I mean, There's with no their one. whole setup I, is...
2: You're not going to be able to challenge uh, Rip Van Winkle unless he steps down on his own. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's just... that's just So it's going to take an outsider in 2024 and what outsider could get close. Yeah. I, I don't really know. I, I mean, like like, that's a heavy lift for somebody to enter that race as an outsider via be it through the democratic party or otherwise and then to you know build enough momentum to get on the ballot to get somehow on a debate stage at any point in time when the democrats are going to have basically a non existent primary i mean it's just I just don't see it happening with anybody. It's just straight up not going to happen. And when when you're talking about like, like podcasters and stuff like that, Jesse Ventura was literally in this seat before the reason he didn't do it was because he would have had to have stopped his show. Cause you can't, you can't have a show. You can't have an active show and run for president. You can't do that. So you would need to like stop your show and, and he would he would lose his health insurance, which, by the way, I mean, that's another way like the United <laughs> States keep people down, keep health insurance tied to a job yeah. so that people like can't leave a job for certain things, i.e. running for president. So, I mean, a, a lot of these like, you know, names everyone's throwing around of just like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that wouldn't be anything other than a really miserable experience for the person. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like I mean, look, I, I used to work with Jimmy. We have our disagreements and I quit the show, but, uh, you know, I I still like the guy, so I wouldn't want to see him run for president because I think it'd be the worst experience <laughs> of his freaking life. Uh, and if he asked my opinion, I would tell him that. I'm like, hey, man, you got to yeah. do you. But I think this will be the worst experience of your life. That's what I think. And, uh, uh, you know, but do what you got to do. <laughs>
0: We need a hell of a lot more consistency in terms of labor solidarity. Hang on one sec. Hang on one sec.
3: <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anybody else, though. It's just hard. And, I, and the other thing for me is I, I'm not into the race stuff. So if you, you know, any, kid, I like, like Marion Williamson. I like her a lot, but um, just a little bit too much into the identity stuff for me. Well, I think
0: that that's, you know, they say that this country is socially liberal and economically conservative. I actually think it's the opposite. I think the country is uh, socially conservative and economically progressive. I think that that more than anything else is is the the issue here. And we're, we're all about making sure that everyone is inclusive. But what ends up happening with the culture war is that it distracts from the economic war. Yep. And And the culture war will always be won by the people that are going to resist any type of substantial change, whether that's in the classroom, whether that's in social media, whatever it is. And the reason it gets talked about and the reason there's this cancel culture is so that there isn't an opportunity to say, all right, look, we're going to disagree on X, Y, and Z, but A, B, and C, particularly economically speaking, people agree. The object of the game is to avoid talking about that. It's like with Ron DeSantis here in Florida, who is like a rocket ship heading towards the White House right now. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to focus on the fact that housing is an absolute crisis here in Florida and the buck does stop with him and the decisions he's made, that's what he needed to be hit on relentlessly. And it never happened.
1: No, our Democratic Party flew an airplane with a banner hanging behind it that said DeSantis is a fascist. That was how the, that was the democratic party's idea in Miami Dade. That was how they spent their money. That was their campaign contribution. That's worse you,
3: than Twitter. That's, oh no, they're that's ridiculous. Lame.
1: This is a group. Oh, th- these are people that have run out of ideas and they just, yeah, sit that's pretty keep-
2: pathetic. I, I do think DeSantis it. is a fascist, by that the way. Might be. He's a fascist, but, that that's, do, but kind that's kind that's of not stupid. The
1: point. That's yeah,
2: not no, stupid. I got it. Yeah, that. that's just that's not effective.
0: They're aiding and abetting the circumstance and not going mm-hmm. after the meat and potatoes of <laughs> right. the problem because Definitely. if you both sides are corporate captured, they're never going to identify the actual crisis here. That's the problem. If you really want to hit it where it hurts, it's like DeSantis made a deal with a... I think a cruise line company in Key West. And it had everything to do with whether or not a certain uh, operation was able to dock either at like certain times of the year or in, in certain ports. And they just greased his wheels with about a million dollar uh, campaign contribution in a super PAC. And lo and behold, they got exactly what they wanted. It's all the same bullshit on both sides. Joe Biden answers to the railroad oligarchs not the railroad workers. And anyone pretending that this is a labor president in any way, he's a a colossal failure of the highest order. And so while we keep spinning our wheels wondering, well, is it going to work this way? Is it going to work that way? No, we need to figure out how to build this labor solidarity. And it's going to take, I believe, a handful of different leaders, it's going but it's going to take a consensus amongst all of the rank and file that the only way we're saving ourselves is when we finally decide we've had enough and labor <laughs> is going to unite against the ruling class. When that happens that's when change will happen in this country. That I believe. Yeah.
3: I'm curious Ron, are you familiar with um fellow comic comic Dave Smith, libertarian?
2: I know who he is. Okay. I mean, I and I think we might. I think we might follow each other on Twitter, but I don't know a whole lot about him. Okay. I mean, I know he's a libertarian, um, and that's like kind of his niche. And uh, and I know he's got a he's got a big following, to my understanding. But uh, that's all I know. Okay. Are you? Yeah. How we,
3: what do you all think? Because I I think actually, Jen and Peter, you have some libertarian tinge to you. Both well, of you, I I'm think.
1: Very, when you say like when it has to do with civil liberties, that's mm-hmm. it. Like for me, I'm very much for that. I'm not you're I don't support bans or mandates. That's just not my thing. You're not
0: going to get a, an economic movement in libertarianism yeah. to unite the country because libertarian right basically believes in the mantra of kill or be killed. If you can't tax yourself,
1: that um, doesn't work. And that's where I tend to be pretty left because I Mm. do believe in this idea of the collective. That's what makes us better. Otherwise, go live on an island somewhere where you don't have where you just be your own off the grid thing. And then you don't have to pay taxes. Go wherever it is. Buy your little space. And that's great. But the rest of us who have to live together collectively are participating in a civilization. And I believe that people should have a social safety net. I believe that everyone should have healthcare. Like, I just believe that we're, we're all better off when everybody is healthcare and has a living wage. And I don't think anybody should have to work more than 40 hours a week to be able to just enjoy their little life. Yeah, And let so, me- and, and I, and I just, whatever. So like you can label, like, I don't really, it's not a label and I'm against war and I'm against mm-hmm. like all of it. Like I just, you know, so I'm pretty left on those things. But I don't tell other like I'm not what you would consider, what the media would say, these sort of lefties that are wanting everybody to wear masks and like overwoke. And I'm not with that. I'm not with them. I'm like about just, you know,
5: be and, kind
1: and like li- just be kind. It's not that complicated.
0: And the libertarians are correct when it comes to government waste. They are absolutely correct about that. The problem is, is that the, the real libertarian right, like the hard libertarian right, they don't believe in any taxation. They think taxation is theft. And so when you treat it that way, that's where there is no compromise. The compromise could be, yes, we are absolutely overtaxed. There is socialism for the rich and rugged individualism for everybody else. If we had a system where it was economically populist and we were allocating our tax dollars to more suitable needs, like a living wage, like health care, like a clean energy grid that we desperately need, and not spending hundreds of billions of dollars, which again, that's the intention of the war in Ukraine. It's not about how quickly do we end this thing. It's about how long can we possibly keep it going? Oh, yeah. That's what it's about. And so uh, ultimately- That's on both sides. Both sides. And so if we're ever going to get to that consensus, that's where- um, I, and I know what you're talking about Osiris there was a conversation that um, that Dave Smith had with um, a few people the other day. Um, uh, I think Jimmy was part of the conversation but th- the conversation itself basically was like well what is it going to take for us to find that common ground and so if the common ground with let's say the populist right is well we want to have our guns and we'll give you universal health care well look if that's what it's going to take to bring a lot of people together then we can have an even further conversation about what those parameters um, may look like. If we're not. Well, what
2: exactly. Uh, so, I mean, not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but, go for it. but please. what
5: please.
2: do two groups of people with no power making promises to each other accomplish? <laughs>
0: Well, if you're going to bring them together into, let's He's say, a coalition. He's just talking
1: theoretically to get yeah. people to work together. No. So you're wanting to just have groups of people think of that group as somebody we can work with, somebody that, okay, well, and, and the more people that you can bring under this idea of labor and uniting under these economic... Yeah,
2: people. no, I, I get the... So I
1: think he just, I don't think he means like a literal agreement between people. That's no, that. I
2: understand that. But like, what is that? I mean, yeah, so what would that look like though like is there going to be some kind of like uniparty because i don't well, I know think, if I, I could...
0: think there needs to be a national labor council and this national labor council does not involve union bosses this involves labor Good. organizers in every corner of the united states whether it is somebody who is trying to unionize a starbucks office or somebody who like chris smalls is trying to or has successfully unionized an Amazon warehouse. I don't see anybody standing out there ready to unionize at Walmart, that has to change. If you have somebody who is in a labor union that is not currently serving you properly, you know, a lot of the locals are much better suited for the fight that needs to happen. Let's say in the SCIU, let's say in the CWA, let's even say in the union that is the most attached to the Democratic Party, which is the AFL-CIO. If there are people within that organization that are willing to say it is time for us to really unite labor across the country. You know, you could have, I don't know, you could have a couple of hundred leaders, but it isn't necessarily leaders, it's it's, more—it's organizers. It's organizers of different groups and different factions who understand that it's not about you locking arms with let's say the Democratic Party. It's our strength is so great that now the Democratic Party has to come to us. There is no other way. And that to me, is more or less the consensus of what could happen if the railroad workers, for example, decide to strike, which I still think there's a chance that they may try to do something despite what Biden just did. That that's my theory. That's, that's my hilarious. proposal, if you will.
3: Yeah, I don't know how it would work, Ron, but my like we saw Tulsi stumping for Kerry Lake. And, I, you know, a few years ago, I would have never thought that would happen. Uh, so I think it's just yeah, very- and
2: because she found a, a new lane. I, I mean, look, I, I, I think that Tulsi Gabbard is a pretty poor example. Tulsi Gabbard, she ran the political gamut first. I mean, she was raised super religious. So she was this like, you know, religious right person for the first part of her career. Then she kind of changed her tune and became kind of like a DNC darling. Then that didn't work out for her. So she was kind of part of the Bernie left. Then she was kind of like an anti-war libertarian. Now she's just straight up MAGA. What will she be next year? I don't know. Like, let's make bets on it. What do you guys think? I don't know. Maybe she'll be part of the Oh, you think around to the
1: other side? Like, is it like a rotation? I guess. I mean, who
2: knows? I mean, I, I, you know, and I think at the end of the day she's just looking for a lane and looking for a paycheck and she found it. So, you know, I'm not going to like, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think there's.
0: Yeah. If there was some principle to it, I, I would definitely agree. But Tulsi wears opportunism on her sleeve. She just does. And that's not to say that she doesn't have good takes on certain issues, but, the whole like abandoning single payer universal health care, uh, the fact that she's wishy washy regarding you know she used to be so downright hardline on ending regime change wars that and was then, her thing Best and thing. Then that message has basically changed. She's basically she's got a very uh, you know she's got a very anti Islamic streak in her. She does. You gotta you gotta call it what it is. You know there's something to be said for. And we get into this. We, we have this people that like to support certain personalities, certain people in politics in particular. You know, we get caught up in when every once in a while they throw some red meat in people's direction. That sounds really good that, oh, yeah, you know, she's right about that or he's right about that. And that's great. Yeah. We're talk
2: about grievances. That's on my list of grievances. <laughs> okay, Let me put that on top wrong. of my fucking list of grievances. <laughs> oh. I am so tired of all these online brands where it makes you look cool and contrarian on Twitter when somebody who has 99 terrible fucking takes has one good one. And like, it's one thing to be like, okay, let's try to connect on some of our commonalities. We have a few pillars in common. Let's try to work with this. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. But like just trying to have some like outsider contrarian take just because there's this one nugget of a total not shitty take and you're like, well, actually, and then you just have verbal diarrhea for the rest of your 279 characters (laughs) or however many you have left. I'm so fucking tired of looking at it. First of all, you want to try reaching out to more people because that's something else we should be talking about. Let's keep in mind there's like so much of the country, over half of it, who's just apathetic and checked out. How do we get them turned on to principles, Not bickering about fucking like insulary YouTube shit that they're not even paying the fuck attention to. Right. You imagine imagine turning on a sportscaster and instead of talking about the sports that are going on, they're talking about other sportscasters. (laughs) How long would you listen? Less than a fucking minute you turn it off. It's That's so really pointless good. and tired. Okay, it's that would so be a, pointless a really and tired. good... Grant. Grant
0: okay. any
1: ideas? No, that would be an amazingly good like Saturday Night Live type skit, like a spoof on what social media commentators would be like if they were sportscasters. That would be uh, so
3: yeah, freaking that, funny. That, that could,
1: yeah,
0: all right. Well, but from I, that perspective, I would say that that would work. That
1: would be really funny. And, would they, and the thing is, they would have to talk about it in that tone, they would have to talk about it mm-hmm. in their sportscaster tone about other sportscasters. That
3: would be hilarious. great analogy. Great analogy. That's why, you know, Jen and Peter, they don't do that type of stuff. They, they focus on the no. issues and yeah. So does Ron. You guys are.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's very important. I mean, like even the other day and, and I think, you know, this is a good place to wind down the conversation. You know, Ron, you really did an amazing job covering the Twitter files regarding the JFK assassination. And a lot of people want oh, to thanks. push this aside. But the reason that that's, and this is, again, when it comes to issues like the military industrial complex in the deep state. Most people are united on this issue. The reason why the JFK assassination is so significant with the tepid admission that it was the CIA who killed him, which is what the overwhelming majority of people have believed is a consensus for quite some time. They just needed yes. confirmation that that was the case. It is proven beyond a reasonable doubt that we have a shadow government that dictates the terms of how this country is run. And the elected representatives in this country more or less have no say in anything whatsoever. And we as the people do not have a say in it whatsoever unless we figure out a way to get together. If we figure out a way to get together, then there might be an opportunity for something to change. Really? But, well, I had no choice. It's just, it. it just needed to you be done. You had run. to squish it I on had the to screen? Do, uh, there was a mosquito. There was a mosquito on the screen. The mosquito had to meet That's its insane. maker, and I had to on do the, the job. Screen.
1: Whatever.
2: It's mm, a festivist it miracle. That is Florida. not
1: a festivist miracle.
2: Are we all like not in shitty weather places? Cause like you were no. talking about like bad weather happening and I'm just like, Oh yeah, it was like 65 degrees today when I was no, at my George farmer's market. Is
1: here. No, Steve Grumbine lives somewhere in a mountain. He lives farm.
2: in central PA. Yeah. he's yeah, from. He's I grew cold. up in Pittsburgh. I know what that part of the world's like. It's a, uh, it can get oh, brutal can in the he winter. He just
1: called me and told me that power was coming and going. And that he didn't know that he'd be able to have power. And he doesn't. I don't think he has power. But interestingly, like the front cover of CNN says, like, how many people without power? So apparently this is a thing.
2: Are you in the middle of the country? Is is that part of the middle of
3: MAGA thing? No, no. I'm in Colorado. Oh, it's nice. Cold, cold. One degree cold? right now. Yeah. Man, that I,
2: love, I love Colorado. Yeah. I really love Colorado. But I don't, I I think I would just kind of like have... Uh, just a total like meltdown no pun intended where it's just like (laughs) hey it was like sunny and 75 degrees but we got 24 feet of snow two hours later I I just couldn't as a guy who has to travel a lot I mean I I just Mm -hmm. couldn't freaking handle that I think it would drive me nuts Uh, one time I was flying out of Colorado Springs and my buddy who I would stay with was like yeah man you might get stuck here and I'm like and I'm looking out and it's like sunny day not a cloud in the sky I'm in a t-shirt and I'm like what are you talking about? And he's like, Yeah, we might get a freaking blizzard and you might get stuck here. In, in a couple hours, the blizzard might happen. And I'm like, right. I don't know how you guys do this. I, I don't know. I it's mean, th- some people embrace it and they
3: love it. All power to them. But where are but, you,
1: Osiris? Where in Colorado are you? Are you in Denver? I'm,
3: yeah, I'm a little bit north in Denver. Yeah, before this cold front came in, it was like 40 degrees in like three hours, went from 40 to like negative, negative 30 wind chill at night. It was crazy. <sighs> You, no,
2: Colorado yeah. Springs is my favorite airport in the country, though. It's beautiful out there. It's a, it's a well, it's a great place, and the yeah. airport is fantastic. It's yeah. very small. Uh, the wi fis is killer, and uh, mm-hmm. they got a lot of really cool uh, sand art. So shout uh, out
1: to the Colorado Springs Airport. Osiris, Colorado Springs Airport.
3: You know, I went, Airport. See you know I went to
1: Boulder, right? Oh, sorry. You know I lived out oh. there for four years for college.
3: No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think we talked about that. Boulder, yeah, is beautiful
1: Boulder. Boulder's the. It's the best.
2: Yeah, yeah. Boulder's dope. Best.
1: I know it's a really cool place to be, and I was there when it was before it was as cool as it is now. I mean, it was still mm-hmm. cool, but now it's definitely been Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, uh, yeah, it's no offense,
1: Ron, no offense to you. No, no, none
2: taken. I mean, (laughs) hey, we we got our problems. I love my neighborhood, but, you know, California, we we got our issues just like everywhere else. No doubt about it.
0: Ron, lead us off. Uh, How can people find you? What are you working on? Uh, Obviously, it's been tremendous having you both on as we conclude our first panel. Ron, go for it.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. This was fun. Happy Festivus and holidays to everyone. You can follow me on Twitter at Ron Placone. Uh is my website. I got some tour dates coming up. Uh, January 7th, I'll be in San Diego. January 28th, I'll be in Tucson, Arizona. You cool. can use the promo code Lucy at checkout for tickets on that one for a discount. Uh, that is not just a stand-up show. It's the premiere screening of my short film, Loner, because I got a short film called Loner coming out. I got another wow. movie called Left at Wall that I'm working on. And uh, yeah, you can find everything online. My podcast, Get Your News On With Ron. And I hope to see you all on the road in uh, in 2023.
1: Do you ever come this, I mean, I, I saw you here. That was, what year was that? It was like yeah, but that was in like 19. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. We were supposed to go to Florida and then, you know, the pandemic shut everything down. And right now, because I'm doing more international stuff, I only do like one region of the United States a year, pretty much. I mean, other than like regional West Coast stuff. So this year it's going to be the Midwest. Like I'm coming to like uh, Minneapolis, Madison, Chicago um, and maybe Colorado. Colorado is actually in the maybe pile um but then i'm like trying to go to the uk and stuff so so these days i'm only doing like one american region a year as opposed to like only doing stuff in the u.s so that's so yeah but florida you know i love i think i really want to do fest if i ever got invited to do fest i would totally be there but that, that's up in gainesville that's not super close to you guys so
0: no definitely not but you know florida's five states as far as i'm concerned
3: yeah, yeah.
2: Osiris,
3: yeah. hit us Yes, Yeah, visit middlemaga.com I'm doing a lot of more, more stuff on Rumble now So I can be uncensored But I know this channel is not the biggest Probably Kerry Lake fan But if you are big on election integrity The case that just went down The last couple of days With Kerry Lake is important I got videos up on that You can search YouTube, Twitter Middlemaga.com Appreciate you
1: Thank you so much, Osiris, for coming on. I love talking to you. And Ron, it's always fun talking to you. And this was even depressing talking, and it was still fun talking
0: to you. Yes, Uh, we will always find it. But, you know, the thing that I think we do a fairly decent job of on our show is that we don't get stuck on things that we can't agree on. We try to find that commonality that brings as many of us together as possible. Uh, no, we are not Carrie Lake. Fans. And now, Osiris. Summer, now, <laughs> our next panel. We're going
1: to the left.
0: We're going really. Oh. We're going left on okay. our next I'm, panel. I'm good we're with going that. To the left. If you guys are going to hang around and watch, I think you'll enjoy it. So, with that Absolutely. said, Osiris, Ron, Thank obviously, you guys. Mer- Merry Christmas. Take care, guys. Happy, so Festivus. Much. Happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> all right, uh, peace. Yeah,
1: it's all good. No, yeah, it's fun. It's all um, fun.
0: We are just getting started. But of course, as you guys know, we now have mm-hmm. our second panel. Which I is just gonna- found
1: out my bartender is being delayed by a couple of hours and that displeases me. Your
0: bartender. Okay, oh. so my
1: husband is stuck at like a freaking office party and I was really hoping he would come home and make me a beverage and bring it here.
0: I actually saw a very good, uh, <laughs> listen, I am not, for those of you who know, I'm pretty straight edge for the most part. And so, th- but there was a really, yeah, I know, square is a box. Beyond. Yeah. Harvey understands. No, he understands. Harvey's
1: cooler than you. He probably is. I, I'm sure not he gonna is. Take that Harvey's a Harvey, Harvey's in the college universe. He's way cooler.
0: But than when you. I was putting up our post on Instagram earlier, uh, I saw a peppermint, uh, a, a dark chocolate peppermint encrusted uh, white Russian, and it looked like an amazing drink. So basically, you have like the whatever you would call like the the dark chocolate malt. Uh, you know you.
1: I understand, it, 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 people. Please understand that him talking about this beverage is worse he's ever engaged with a beverage.
0: So anyway, it, they put the dark chocolate on top, and they encrust it with the peppermint, you know, candy. Yes. Did you stuff. have this? I was just admiring it. I wasn't actually happy. exactly my. Point. And then it exactly brought, and it my the point. Oh my so,
1: god!
0: Well, I'm just saying it. it, it certainly, would, my uh, bartender is delayed, journey. so. So we are on to panel number two. There. Make sure to smash that like button. Get this out there to as many people. Remember, it is the festivist for the rest of us.
1: The Caucasian.
0: Yes. We call yes, it the Caucasian. For any
1: of you Big Lebowski fans out there, which is one They'll of call my- Call it the
0: Caucasian.
1: It, he calls it it's the it's Caucasian. But like, the the that's one of my, it's my favorite movie like ever. Yes. For anyone knows me, like that is really my most favorite movie ever is the Big Lebowski. I cannot I, get around I, it. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs>
0: So our first guest is well, we have two. What I call resident guests because they are basically welcome any they ever they ever met? I don't these know, two? but you know, we've made a habit of introducing people on our. Podcast. Oh, and
1: I, that reminds me, I have a message for Harvey from Steve Grumbine, who yeah, who told me to pass Harvey a message. This will be interesting. This will be a good. Steve will be coming on. In a bit I don't know. He could get power. Light
0: one. Of course, she is the author of *Presidential*, which is the one true our- the true history of the presidents of the United States, and just one of one,
1: just somebody who's a really good, accurate historian and journalist. And she is the executive is it the executive editor of I know it's Black Agenda Report, but is it? I always forget this. executive editor. Executive editor, yes. Executive editor, that's good. Yeah, that's we got it good it. enough. Right, Margaret good.
0: Kimberly, welcome back to Generation.
6: Hi. Of Hello. Yeah. How you guys doing? Happy Festivus. Thank you so much. I've never celebrated Festivus before, so this is great.
1: (laughs) Have you ever, well, do you, have you, are you familiar with what it's from?
6: I do, I am, yes, I do remember. (laughs) Because
1: I know that it's a very sort of like, um, specific niche of people that are familiar with Seinfeld, that a lot of people weren't necessarily fans of that show. So I don't
0: want to make any presumptions, but our other guest that is joining us right now.
1: Oh, he gets mistaken for Larry. He's a dead
0: ringer for the man who created Seinfeld.
1: Larry David. If it is
0: entirely possible, he's the professor at UW Green Bay. Green Bay. Uh, His boys are playing your boys on Sunday, by the way. What boys?
1: What boys? The Packers
0: play the Dolphins on Christmas Day. Boys, For God's sake. Okay. Harvey K., welcome back to Generational Change.
5: (laughs) It's great to be here. And no, I have never met Margaret before. Okay, this is a good connection. But I will tell you, Margaret, I'm glad you remember about Seinfeld, so to speak. They may recall that I'm not a fan of Seinfeld.
1: I know. Mm, no. I know you're not, but you look like Larry David. Like I can see that people would see you and think that you could have a Larry David resemblance.
5: Yeah, I no, I've, I've been shopping malls where people would say, oh my God, <laughs> are you Larry David? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm
1: better. Here, read my book, right? Yeah,
5: well, you know, you gotta love it. I will, it say, I will yeah. say, by the way, um, my my younger daughter who lives in New York City, She is a big fan, has always been a fan of Lavery David, and loved Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. (laughs) And whenever we were together, I would enjoy Curb Your Enthusiasm, mostly because of her enthusiasm. (laughs) But I And then the other night we were talking, I I said, oh, by the way, I'm doing Festivus on Friday night with Jen Perelman and Peter again. And she said, I know you hate Seinfeld, and you know what? I'm going to hate him too because of you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that's so harsh. <laughs> that's really that's sweet. so harsh. But you guys have a lot more in common than not, for sure. I, okay. I mean, this. Is, but I wasn't kidding when I was telling Osiris we're all going to the left now. So everybody here is definitely like in that in that line. Um, and Margaret was on not that long ago regarding our Deconstructing Zionism series that I'm working mm-hmm. on, um, Harvey, and talking about mm-hmm. the connection between Black liberation and um, the and Palestinian solidarity, because that mm-hmm. was just something that I thought was important. And Harvey is very big into the 21st century Bill of Rights and expanding what FDR was talking about. So you guys are both kind of like histor- history wonky,
5: too. Very good. Yeah. Margaret, where do you go. live? Oh okay. I'm in New York City. I'm in Harlem. Oh, in Harlem. Okay. Yep. yep. I was if I have a grievance, not with you or Harlem or anything <laughs> like that, it's that last week we flew to New York City on Wednesday night to see our daughter and her husband. Yeah. They got married this past summer. And they live in Greenpoint across the mm-hmm. river. And mm-hmm. yeah, she uh she had Self-tested because she thought she had a cold for COVID. So she tested. And then the next night when she was still wasn't feeling very well, she remembered, oh, wait, I took a test at a a clinic. I should just call them. And she had COVID. Oh, no. Um, So the next morning we had to fly home to Wisconsin. (sighs) So that's my, uh, that's my grievance. That's holiday. your
1: grievance. Okay. That's a personal <laughs> grievance. I'm just, right.
5: and then I'll add to that. Speaking of Miami.
1: Cause you have bigger grievances than that. Like I've oh, heard sure, you in sure. much no, no, more macro, macro grievances.
5: Well, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, okay, grievances
6: yeah. against COVID.
5: I mean, don't we all right.
6: Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, Margaret, that is, the key, that is the main first point. What we do on Festivus is it's called the airing of grievances. And it's generally, well, how does he do it? You know, well, how does uh,
0: I got a lot of problems with you people. And tonight, you're going to hear about it.
1: <laughs> so that was Jerry Stiller doing that and the thing. And so that's, everybody goes around and basically airs their grievances. And I think the point of that is more for, against each other. But we're going we're gonna to do it just in general. So, do you have a good
6: grievance? Margaret? I have, I have so many. Okay, I wish, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm in this mood now. I feel like ignorance is bliss. I know too much, so I have so many grievances. I'm like, I hope Zelensky <laughs> went home already. I, <laughs> I wish we didn't have a maniac mayor. It's like. Okay, oh yeah so, yeah
0: yeah you really do
6: oh so
1: is there has <laughs> something happened with this guy I know he like we were not supportive and not a fan back in the their race no
0: uh well why don't you wait, Margaret w- would you please air your grievances about mayor Adams because I think a lot of people would appreciate hearing more about I
6: would him. okay well we have a mayor who's not very bright just to be blunt about it he's a former cop he still has a cop mentality. He talks about crime all the time. Uh, crime actually is better. I, you know, I've lived in New York since the 80s and there have been other times that's when a I new re- slogan.
5: We- crime is better.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's better. Crime in New York. But I it's talk about how dangerous the city is. And it's like he makes it seem like this dystopian hellscape, which it isn't. <laughs> He helped the Republicans um, with this talking point. The Democrats lost control of the House because Republicans flipped these seats in New York. This crazy man, Zeldin, almost beat the Democrats, oh. who I'm not crazy about herself, but by talking about crime, crime, crime all the time. And um, he shows no leadership on any important issues. He's not thoughtful. Uh, he doesn't have a big vision. He everybody in on his team is as as dim as he is, so I really feel like he's I actually counted he's the sixth mayor that i have uh uh gone through wow. in this city, and he's the one who's the dumbest i just i have to say
5: wow uh, he's horrible horrible in every way he, and my understanding from having been in the city just for that little bit is and <laughs> I saw this probably after I left the city he has now made uh made the point of saying that vast sums of money will be cut from the budget on, for libraries and yeah. other social services. Right. Yeah. So, and then to, add, I mean, I don't, I don't want to take away from your grievance, but I think the whole New York democratic party is grounds for a grievance.
6: They are, they are really, I'm glad I'm not a Democrat anymore. Right. Margaret's not a Democrat. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, they made the case for me. Um, they, these Cuomo cronies are still around running the Democratic Party. They lost those seats. They lost these ballot initiatives last year that Republicans campaigned against. I mean, they are really, their whole ethos is beating up on progressives. That's what they do. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. what they see their goal is, is keeping progressives out of office. And if should, one should sneak in, making sure they don't do anything progressive. So, they were very much not interested in fighting Republicans. So, they lost these seats. Excuse me. And uh, Governor Hochul, uh, Cuomo's uh, successor, she's awful. She's she's yeah,
5: Who's this judge she's appointing? Who's uh, A conservative wow.
6: judge. Um, yeah. Anti choice and anti labor.
0: Uh, to the I, I, state
6: supreme court these people are dreadful she gave uh, was it a i think it was a was it a billion dollars for a stadium in buffalo she's from buffalo of course all these sports teams are owned by billionaires but they always have their hands out i am dead set No that but stuff. when
1: you say buffalo that brings to mind you want to talk about what made me i think just have no care in the world for this floor, your democratic party was how they treated india walton Because when that happened, like the fact that she won the primary and they still did that against her. I'm like, these are not this is not one of these
6: these guys I'm talking about, Jay Jacob. He He did because she she defeated the mayor of Buffalo in a primary and they did everything they could to. I mean, the mayor was the Democrat. I can understand that. But to call this black woman akin to the KKK because she beat. One of the establishment uh, uh, Democrats. Uh, so these people are absolutely dreadful, and yeah. we—they we, need to get rid of them. And some Democratic elected officials have started to speak out against them, but it's a little late. A lot of um, a lot of damage has been done. So people yeah. behind their names in New York are my—I I have. <laughs> many grievances
5: against So, them.
1: Harvey, what happened? Wait, wait can Johnson? I just, foot,
5: can yeah, I, footnote, yeah. I want to footnote something or yeah. sidebar something Margaret just said, um, which is fundamentally, essentially true, but not always true. The sports teams are not always owned by billionaires.
1: Okay, here we go. Please. Yes, let's do this because it's very important. There's okay, one thing
0: that the Packers have over the
5: Dolphins. Let
1: us please address this because I, I please say it because it's important.
5: I, Margaret, I don't know if you realize, but the Green Bay Packers are actually I owned by the city. Yes, well, actually, by the fans. So the people of Green Bay actually own them. The, the city fans. owns the stadium. Uh huh. The team itself is owned as a in, in a trust fashion. And those of us who have shares of stock, which we bought over the many years, do not receive dividends on it. It's more of a community commitment. But the point is that there is no owner other than the tens of thousands of people who have that stock, and they can't move the team. Um, I mean, it's it's unique. Or as one New York Times columnist wrote maybe 10 or 20 years ago, socialism is alive and well in Green Bay, Wisconsin. (laughs)
6: Yeah. Very good. I'm glad. I was about to say, I was going to make a little joke. Sounds socialistic, but it's a great yes. team. Um, always a winner. I don't know how they're doing this year. I haven't been. This fun. is a bad year. Oh, really?
5: We're, uh, year. I'm hurting the game right look. now. I'm Hold feeling this, I'm feeling anti cheese. This Sunday at noon. And by the way, my New York City daughter and son-in-law have are right now waiting in uh, LaGuardia to fly down to Miami. Miami. Okay, so game. this game and to see his side of the family a bit. Well, he's actually from New York, but they're down there, uh, wintering.
1: Are they so, going to be there as Green Bay fans?
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. They're both fanatic Green Bay mm. fans.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, can, oh, can, are you
5: Miami fans really shitty people? You're gonna no, they're gonna get. Are they gonna get bumped around and beaten? No, up?
1: because here's the thing about oh. Miami people I, the people who are Miami fans come from two different types of people, right? You're either townies like me, who's second generation, like my dad had oh, my. season tickets from the beginning. Or people that have transplanted from places like New York and Boston, all those people. Now, keep in mind, the nicer ones are now Dolphins fans. Otherwise, you're looking at Patriots fans. You or see what I'm saying? Like, or Jets or fans. fans. Yeah. So the people that are the Dolphins fans are the nice versions of those people.
0: Because ah, any okay. yeah,
1: and as long as you're not coming into our, they're never mean.
0: Harvey, this is not like going into Soldier Field. No, no no, is totally, no, 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 totally different. No, we well, don't. I'm
5: going to sure. Soldier Fields event. The work by the, I shouldn't carry us into. We're, we're only mean. We're only mean Patriots his, fans. In the infamous stadium is where the Eagles play. The Philadelphia.
0: Oh, well, yes, I would say that the two. <laughs> as a Giants fan, oh. I could tell you my only experience ever traveling to an NFL stadium where I actually had an issue with fans was at the Link. In Philadelphia, that was a, that was difficult.
6: Well, you know, yeah. it's funny. I I yeah. used to follow. I come from a big sports-loving family, and uh so I grew up with with football. Men, women, everybody everybody likes sports. But I stopped uh, some years back for a variety of reasons, and uh, but I still hate the Patriots. <laughs> <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> Despite my lack of uh, following football, I right? Still hate them. I still That's hate how I feel. I have to. And it's Before? so silly. It's like I don't watch it anymore. No. But,
1: No, it's not. And in fact, I say this every season, like I don't have any extra hate for any other team because all of my sports hate is aimed at the Patriots. So it's like, I don't hate the Jets anymore. I don't hate the Bills. I don't hate other teams in the division. We just all equally hate the Patriots. The other day, where were we when I was with my friend somewhere and we were at the bagel shop and some, somebody was talking something, something. And I'm like, but we all hate the Patriots. And like, hell yeah. Like, so I don't even know what teams they were talking about, but everyone. Consider, considering
0: the season it. the Patriots are having right now and considering the loss that they took the other day, which is an all time. This is like the all time gaff loss of, you know, the, the backward, you have to see the play. It's backward lateral. Uh, it, it and of course it happened against the Raiders, a team that usually is, the team that Again, does I have real stuff.
1: no opinion on any other team other than I love my Dolphins well, and I hate the Patriots.
5: I I, I actually before, I, before we I love the Packers. Let me make that clear. That goes all the way back, well before I ever got to Green Bay. Well, let's well before we. But continue, I do want to say right. I do hate the NFL overall. I'm sure you well, do. The, well, I, I
1: am. The, it does not surprise me in the least that you do.
0: I love, I love the NFL. I hate the I hate most of the NFL owners. And I think we can all agree on that because they're all a bunch of greedy billionaires and just figuring out their own way to screw the American worker. It's been happening. Harvey, right? we have a friend of yours here. Why don't, well, It's he's everybody's he's friend. Everybody's he's everybody's friend. friend. Oh, that's right. Player.
1: That's right. He connects all, actually, this is who connects the two of you. And
0: considering where this gentleman is located, he can definitely attest to the fact that M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore was built on the back of the working class This is class interesting. Taxpayers. That
1: you, now it's really funny to me that you guys have never met because you're both connected to this person.
0: Max Alvarez, welcome back to Generational Change.
4: Hey, y'all. Thanks for uh, having me. And I, I was shouting in the green room, yeah, fuck the Patriots.
1: <laughs> 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 That's, a That's a good grievance.
4: Oh, God. Okay. That, is, well, that, is hey, a, that is a perennial hey. grievance of, of mine as well. So, yeah, happy well, holidays to all to keep- of us.
0: Well, as a well as a Ravens fan, you are one of the few fan bases that did get the best of Belichick and Tom Brady a number of times, including at Foxborough in the playoffs twice, I believe. It always so. comes yeah. nice. out. Like?
4: Are you now a Ravens fan? I'm a I'm like a fair weather like Ravens supporter. I'm a I'm a beleaguered Bears fan at That's heart. What I,
5: remember. That's um, what I remember. But we don't have, we don't have a whole lot to
4: celebrate <laughs> right now. I'm just I'm just licking my wounds because I lost. My boy Jonathan Taylor in the middle of the fantasy playoffs, so I'm screwed.
0: (laughs) I'm in the I'm in the semifinal round. uh, I I am I am I am I I am favored to make it to the championship game. So uh, okay, you're I I have survived uh, Max. I survived Brees Hall's ACL injury. I was able to pick up McKinnon from (laughs) Kansas City. So I I have been I'm in pretty good shape. (laughs) Okay, that was that was your personal
6: Vietnam. (laughs) <laughs> now we have another grievance. It's too much. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care what you're talking about. We, fantasy football cannot count as an actual
0: <laughs> grievance. Okay, well, No, we're,
6: we're talking about- Well, you about- know what?
0: If we're going to talk about a real grievance, let's. Th- this is the labor panel. This was specifically done because we need to air the grievances on behalf of the railroad workers of this country, yes, who so literally so. took the shaft from our, I'm the greatest labor president this country's ever seen, oh, uh, yeah. President Biden- uh, who everyone is touting as some great president, which he's not. Wait, Margaret,
1: um, are you working on the next chapter in your book for him? Please tell me you're, you're working I, on Actually, I am. Things. I am, Good. yes. Because I am just, curious to see what that chapter looks like from the president. You know,
6: this, this whole thing with the railroad Road workers and this phony vote, he could give them paid sick time with an executive order. Exactly. And exactly. it's like, and and this whole thing with this, these phony progressives was the best deal we could get. It's the best thing we could need, do was the I only need. vote. You didn't need to vote. And this right. covering for him and the way the corporate media cover for him. and never say what I just said, because right. Obama's executive order, uh, he signed an executive order which forced all federal contractors to provide sick days, but it specifically excluded, railroad workers. So all Biden has to do is his own executive orders and put railroad workers in it. That's it. That's all.
5: Yeah. It's amazing to me and horrifying to think that no, you. you, I mean, I know Max, you've been covering all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's really astonishing that Biden could get away with, you Mm -hmm. would have thought, I mean, just seriously, however much we were talking before about the New York the New York Democratic Party corralling and disciplining progressives. Seriously speaking, the National Democratic Party sets the model and the, and the Congress is the prime example of it
7: yeah. because
5: there is no way that something calling itself the Progressive Caucus should ever have allowed Biden to get away with this stunt. No, not I mean, it's un, unfathomable.
1: Harvey, you've you've seen the people that are there's in the progressive caucus, was, right? Okay, reasons. but have you seen the people, the lineup of the congressional progressive caucus? Because I've, I, it's it's very entertaining. There no, might I, be I there mean. might be a couple I, yeah. of progressives in there. I I don't know. It's pretty. No, pathetic. I,
5: I really, really do understand what you're saying. I I mean, there's a- like a
1: hundred and something. Where are those people? Where are those progressives?
5: Well, I'm sure you think of. Uh, Chantel Brown is a leading progressive, right? Well,
1: she's in that. She's in the Cong- I know. Cong- I, I, Cong- I, I, Progressive Caucus.
5: That's so, so how-
6: <laughs> It's ridiculous. I call them the Twitter progressives. They always go on Twitter and say, we should have Medicare for all or we should have something that they have no intention of fighting for. And I always I have the same response. I always say, you know, you should run for Congress. Maybe you could help us with that. Um, I do it over and over again, but they, it's, it's really, they're all for show. They, they, got, their goal is really? to keep the left in the democratic party. Um, and it's just the height of cynicism and it's really, it's disgraceful. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you guys know that I agree with, with all of that. Um, you know, it's been very frustrating. I've been reflecting on this a lot, right. Cause I feel like, I imagine all of us are in the same boat. I've just been going a mile a minute all year. And like today was like the first day that I got to actually sort of like sit and reflect. So there's been like a jumble of emotions catching up with me. And I was reflecting on the fact that Yeah, I mean, like, you know, at the Real News Network, I and my colleague Mel Buer have been covering the crisis on the railroads all year, right? Through Mm -hmm. extended interview after extended interview with workers in different parts of the industry, people who have been in the industry for different lengths of time, right? I mean, just really hearing their stories and then trying to get people to pay attention to those only to have like the mainstream media and the politicians in D.C., suddenly take an interest when we were like literally at the 11th hour before a potential rail shutdown, both in September and earlier this month. And, you know, I think that a lot of folks have been asking me of late, like, you know, well, what could Democrats have done different, you know, like in that situation? And I guess the thing that I would just sort of say, and this kind of goes to Margaret's point, is like, you know, frankly, there's only so much that any politician could do in that point. And I think that everyone is has a stain on their their record by the fact that they didn't give a shit about this until it was at the last minute. Right. Like none of this was new. This stuff has been going on for longer than like the current, um, you know, uh, stints of anyone in Congress, except like maybe like the old old fogies. But. You know, like where were workers and unions and the surface transportation board, Marty Oberman, uh, chairman, have been like (laughs) screaming about this for years, saying like, hey, billionaires like Warren Buffett are literally destroying the supply chain by running workers into the ground, by price gouging their own customers and, and jacking up prices on shippers. The ports are backed up to hell and everyone is pissed off about it. And yet. Billionaires, the billionaires who own these companies are raking in more profits than they ever have stock buybacks and shareholder dividends are higher than they've ever been like this is not a new problem. But when you have a, you know, two ruling class serving parties that genuinely don't actually care about working people, but just want to sort of kind of make a symbolic show of who's a greater friend of the worker capital F capital W. You know, it's just all some BS like cosplaying that I'm frankly like fed up with. Right. Because there are ways that actually the Democrats, Biden, Congress, like could have done more to help railroad workers if they actually gave a shit about this issue back it when negotiations were still going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Think about how the situation played out. And apologies to anyone if you've heard me like kind of make this point before, but I think it's important. Right. Yeah. If you are the railroad carriers. Right, who have been destroying a vital part of our supply chain for years because your Wall Street backers have recognized you can juice a lot of profit out of it at the expense of workers, at the expense of consumers, at the expense of everyone but the shareholders, right? If that if that is your mo, right, and no one is doing anything to stop you, what incentive do you have to stop? What incentive do you have to even bargain in good faith? Like the contract negotiations that led us to the point of a potential national rail strike or rail lockout have been going on for three years. And all the while, these carriers have just been able to sit at the table, cross their arms because they knew if it ever got to this point, whether it was Biden or George Bush, like whoever was in office was going to side with the rail bosses, just like they did in 92. They were going to shove a deal down workers throats. They weren't going to address any of the key workplace safety issues, uh, quality of life issues, like any of the issues that uh, like really kind of uh, that, that workers have been saying, like comprise the total crisis that they are experiencing on the railroads. It's not just sick days. Sick days became kind of the stand in for the larger crisis. And we couldn't even address that, right? <laughs> even though we very well could. And Biden very well could right now if he damn well wanted, but he doesn't. And so, again, think about the position that we were in in the long run. If Biden had been using the bully pulpit, if any people in Congress had been like f- making a stink about, the, the, the corporate you know robbery that is playing out in front of us in broad daylight, if they had been putting actual pressure on the rail carriers, highlighting their you know uh, uh, corporate malfeasance, maybe that would have given workers a bit more leverage at the bargaining cable, table because it would have put in the carriers heads. Oh, shit. Maybe this is a more pro-union Democratic Party. Maybe they do actually care about the workers. Maybe we should give a little more instead of constantly trying to take and take and take. And so they didn't do that obviously, and then we ended up in the situation we were in in September and December where suddenly, you know, everyone's heart bleeds for the workers, but they got to make, like, tough decisions. Like, no. Like, again, to Margaret and Harvey's point, if you weren't fucking tweeting all the goddamn time, if you weren't, like, actually just concerned about manicuring your public image, if you actually dug deep and did what you can using your position to support the workers who put you (coughs) in office, maybe we would be in a better position. Maybe the coal miners at Warrior Met Coal who have been on strike for over 600 days would have more leverage at the bargaining table if any Democratic or Republican politician was actually showing up to help them. None really have. Right now, it is sub-zero temperatures and workers at CNH Industrial in Iowa and Wisconsin are on the picket line freezing their asses off they need help. They need people to donate to their um, uh, hardship funds, their strike funds and all of that. But what they also need is people in the media and in D.C. giving a shit about this, because if they don't, Bosses are just going to keep waiting workers out. They're going to wait for the public uh, uh, attention to fade away. Like this, I guess, is my airing of grievances, if it wasn't already clear, right, is that we all have a role to play here. We all have to have sustained attention in these struggles. We have to be there when it counts. When people are freezing their asses off on the picket line, they need to know that we're still behind them. And it's it's baffling to me that the railroads have just disappeared from public consciousness in the span of like two weeks when it was all anyone was talking about before.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not convenient for people to think about that. If the railroad workers went on strike, well, you know, then people wouldn't get what they want immediately. Like I, it's very upsetting to me. The whole concept of that, the whole concept of a strike is fuck you. We're not taking it anymore. And we are the power here and we're going to go do this. And the fact that We've created a system where people need permission basically to strike. And it's almost like like the fact that the executive branch can shut it down, that defeats the whole purpose of the concept of a labor uprising. Like I the whole thing is ridiculous to me. The fact that any Democrat would look at this and not think uh, this hasn't happened to labor since Reagan basically. I mean, like this has been, this is ridiculous and nobody's pointing it out. And I actually get emails from people inside the party, like praising Biden for the, and I'm thinking, are we watching the same thing? Like, are we, what are you praising him for? But I want to just say in terms of airing of grievances, I think we can say that this year specifically, the railroad situation is definitely in my top three grievances as to how that was handled um, or not handled. And I agree. It doesn't matter who's in that office; they
6: weren't. Gonna, nobody's going to allow them to strike, right? Um, I, I also have a grievance about the media. I mean, this is there has been the um, the networks. They clearly were siding with the railroad, siding with Biden's hostile questions to the union representatives. Uh, these great newspapers, quote unquote, New York Times, Washington Post, never clearly spelled out how this could be. Uh, resolved in favor of the workers. They're mouthpieces for the ruling class. That is that is the only way I can describe the corporate media, that these very simple points that we've all made are just buried. And unless you know where to look, you don't yeah. know any of this.
1: Yeah, we're fighting. And I know it isn't just sick days, quite honestly, but Max, whatever it is, right, that these workers are wanting I have no doubt is completely reasonable and within the realm of what working people should have, right? Like nothing we're talking about, the fact that they're fighting over it, that's shameful. Because whatever it is, and I don't need to know every little technical point of it, I am sure that it is all within the realm of how workers should just be treated in general. And, the, and that our president would step in and say, yeah, no, just you know, be happy with the crumbs that you're getting and, and go home. It's insulting.
0: And it is amazing how, you know, collectively trained SEALs, uh, the Vote Blue, no matter who crowd really is. They say, oh, it's all the Republicans' fault. And I said, uh, <sighs> the president asked for a bill to prevent workers from striking. Like, what, 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 are, what universe are we living? I, I mean, honestly, it, like Margaret, when you first came on, you said, uh, it must be good to be stuck in the matrix. I'm like, yeah, I guess for them it is, because they just will not look at reality the reality is we have a shitty president and the yeah, worst but, you know, and, time, yeah. and, the, and the worst possible time to have a shitty president is when a, a populist uprising on the right which can lead to fascism is happening because people are getting sick of this shit and yeah and please understand worse.
5: that you could see this in a few of the republicans who voted in quotes on the side of the workers okay you know the right wing populists like holly okay who are who have been smart these last few years? I mean, I, I've, I've written about Hawley in particular. They are making a gamble that they can pull off this kind of right wing populism without necessarily screwing capitalism. And that is their pla- I mean, look, I mean, Hawley has ambitions, but generally speaking, he's not viewed well by a lot of the corporate, re- you know, which is the overwhelming majority of the Republican congressional um, seat holders. He's not viewed favorably, and but there are others like him. He knows, he knows how Reagan got elected. Yes, by, because Carter screwed the working class, and workers did not turn out to vote in 1980, and Reagan beat Carter. So, and what Hawley figures is as he develops this following, and we already know that workers, white, black, and brown, are slowly but surely sort of bleeding away from the democrats and, and and voting republican these folks are going to be smart as long as the democrats are only worried about their you know upper middle class uh, suburban voters they'll lose the working class and you know i mean frankly i mean i i wouldn't blame any of them for 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 not turning out to vote given what they've seen i mean seriously
4: yeah. yeah, I think I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And there's something that I think is is needs to be on all of our radars kind of moving forward. Right. Because obviously Republicans are going to be Republicans. They're going to cynically try to court uh, a betrayed workforce. Um, and it was the Democrats who betrayed them, Right. So like there's no way to deal with that situation by just pretending like the Democrats didn't betray Workers, workers aren't stupid. They know they got betrayed. If you were trying to convince them to stick with the Democratic Party, you should at least give people the respect of of acknowledging that they're, you know, not dodo birds. Right. And they know what's happening to them and they can see what's in front of their faces.
5: That's stupid. And they have memories.
4: We have memories. Yeah. I mean, like and and. You know, I think that I hope that those memories serve us well when we're also evaluating the claims made by Republican lawmakers. Right. Josh Hawley's a great example. You're right, Harvey. I mean, he's a very uh, shrewd operative. Right. He knows the waters he's swimming in. And if you get sucked into the presentism of his performance, right, if you just look at what he's presenting you in the immediate term, you might be convinced by him. But if you just look at his goddamn voting record for two right. seconds, you'll see that this guy will sell you down the river the second he gets the chance to. He yeah. just had another layup vote. He voted against the, the, the workplace, the Pregnant Workers Protection Act. Like how big of a slam dunk is that? Or like it's not even a slam dunk. It's just like should pregnant workers like have additional provisions so that they don't have to lift as much heavy shit or they can sit down, uh, you know, a little bit more like in any civilized country, this would not even be a discussion. And yet here in the good old U S of a, it is. And not only that, Josh Hawley voted against it. Right. So like, again, that's just one small example of how they don't give a shit about you. They really, really don't. And I think like it's important for us to recognize that because yeah, like, The more that Democrats give Republicans these layups, where like Ted Cruz can fist bump Bernie Sanders and and act as if he is like some sort of you know like blue collar whisper, like that shit drives me nuts. Like because I'm like these guys do not want to do anything to help you. They they the Republicans have been actively fighting to uh, kill the National Labor Relations Board. I it may still be the case it was a couple months ago, but the most Amount of Republican complaints that have been filed against a single agency during Biden's term were filed against the NLRB like they hate that thing. They want to kill it. They do not <laughs> want workers to be able to organize and build power in their workplace to be able to freely exercise their human rights. Uh, like organizing without fear of um, being fired or retaliated against uh, with surveillance, so on and so forth. Again, this is real basic shit. but yet the NLRB, because Republicans hate it so much, hasn't had its budget raised in a decade. And yet we finally got a budget increase uh, this week. It, I mean, I think we'll know by the end of midnight or by midnight tonight, but it should be there. But even then, this is a perfect example. So Republicans have been fighting to kill this thing. Thus, The budget hasn't been raised in 10 years. Inflation keeps going up. So essentially, its budget has gotten slashed every year over the past 10 years. So what is the Democrats, you know, like solution to it? not raise it for nine years, and then raise it $25 million, which is like way less than anyone was asking for, right? <laughs> because in the in the grand scheme of things, that's not going to be enough for the NLRB. Again, the beating institutional heart that is supposed to be able to safeguard people's democratic uh, rights in the workplace – uh, and it it does the best that it can with what it what it has. But things move so slowly through the NLRB. They don't have enough people. They don't have enough uh, resources to deal with all the unfair labor practice charges coming in from Starbucks. Uh, you know, all the organizers who are getting fired, the stores that are getting closed like it's a mess. So, again, this just goes to like. If the Democrats really wanted to prove to people that they are a pro union party or they are pro worker, these are tangible things they can do to actually support the people who are supporting workers. I don't need you to be out there like, you know, leading the labor movement. I just need you to not be getting in the fucking way of it. And that's what Democrats have been doing for so long, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it occurs to me that in this country, that's the whole purpose of the party system. The whole purpose of the party system is to basically be the facade that allows us to think that we're actually having a voice as the working class when in fact we do not. And maybe at some point there have been points in the history where we did have some more labor-oriented people in parties and labor had more of a voice politically, but we're just not there now. So what we're talking about, let's just strip away, because you guys all understand this very well, let's just strip away the Democrat and Republican thing. For a second, and look at it like a real left and right situation. And if we did that, and you had it where, okay, we're fighting for the workers, that would be the left. And then you would have this sort of authoritarian um, dictatorship all the way on the right. And I think that the parties interfere with everybody's ability to understand that. We're all the proletariat, okay? Like this is a class where we're all over here and these parties do a very good job, both of them, of convincing certain people that they're not with us. So, if you just maybe you could be like us, maybe you could be a billionaire like Elon Musk if only you do this and you vote with and they don't see it. I Those promise parties, if I'm
5: ever a billionaire, I will not be like Elon Musk.
1: You couldn't ever be a billionaire because you're not willing to do what it
6: takes to become you're a not billionaire. A so, you're
0: not a sociopath, Harvey, although maybe you're I, wrong I, I
6: also think we have to acknowledge there's collusion between the two parties. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. Like, um, you know, it's like pro- professional wrestling where people allegedly are enemies when they're they really aren't. They play to certain issues. so Republicans will convince people that kids are being groomed or something like that. instead of actually doing anything for people, Democrats will say, "I'm for a woman's right to choose, except when they can prove it and do something about it. But they we have an oligarchy in this country, and they run
5: the duopoly. And yeah. I think that you is mean, sad. the sad collusion and by the, and the collusion is, is a fabulous theater it's because the collusion takes the form of a conflict,
1: right? Well, that was going to say, Margaret, you don't, you don't believe that the real impediment to progress has been Joe Manchin because we here believe that we need to vote Manchin parliamentarian in 24, because these are the people with the real party and the power in the party. These are the Democrats with the because all yeah. of the things couldn't happen because of Joe Manchin.
6: Sure, sure. No parliamentarian, mansion, cinema, there's always a bad cop. Right. Uh, you know, they we would do this if it weren't for, you know, fill in the blank bad right. cop this year. What but, if there uh, were no parties and just all the
1: working class people and the people that, you know, Realize it's really a very small group at the top and we're not invited. Mm-hmm. And it's the rest of us, what if that happened? Because if all the people in the Republican Party and all the people in the Democratic Party who really did believe the same things but have been lied to and pulled into these tribal things where they don't even know what they believe anymore, because most people don't even know what their party stands for, what's left versus right. They know talking points from Fox News and MSNBC and they sit there and fight with each other when they don't even understand this shit. So if there were no parties and we just said, Okay, all the people who think that working people should be able to live nicely for working 40 hours a week all come over here. It would be a very different grouping that we would have.
5: Have I ever did I ever tell you on this program about my effort to get a leading member of the Progressive Caucus to introduce the idea of a 21st century economic bill of rights to the caucus? Have I told you about my. encounter? no.
1: Okay, so wait, first give. So, Margaret, I don't know if you're familiar, but Harvey um, and um, Alan Minsky created this 21st century Bill of Rights. Well, you didn't create it. You added to what was
5: FDR's. Right. And there are and there are other academics from Mark Pohl, young guy to Derek Hamilton who's up at New School for Social... So rate. it's I mean, this idea agreeing. that
1: is like this 21st century Bill of Rights. By the way, message before I forget, Steve Grumbine really needs to talk to you one-on-one about something having to do with hi- history and FDR. And oh, I'm high, good. so that's as good as you're going to get right now. Okay. So, But that's the premise, <laughs> Margaret, of the 21st century Bill of Rights, just so yeah, you know but, where he's going with this yeah, story. I mean, it's,
5: it's like, rights, 21st century economic Bill of Rights for all Americans, which would include, just so you understand, such things as a, a guaranteed job at a living wage, Mm -hmm. Guaranteed right to organize a union and bargain collectively, uh, guaranteed national health care, guaranteed comfortable housing. I mean, it's all of the things that people need and that the overwhelming majority of Americans, whether they're Republican or Democrats, actually believe should happen. So anyhow, at an event last year, I figured i had an opportunity to go on, to talk one-on-one with a member of the the progressive caucus. I can't, I can't offer that person's name because it was meant to be a completely off the record conversation. Okay. So I would love to just because of what happened. So, so I, 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 I'm, I will okay. say it's a him. Okay. Okay. So I said to him, I, I said to him, you know, here's the secret. I explained this stuff to him and he looked at me, you know, you know how when, when you're talking to a congressional representative and they really don't want to talk to you, it's like a, a glazing effect. Right? Yes. <laughs> and said to and but then I sort of I could tell and I said to him, wait, if we walk down Main Street in any city, and most cities will be where Democratic voters are, so it's not like I'm prejudicing this. If we walk down that street and we stop people and ask them what does the Democratic Party stand for, they will first not be able to answer and then they'll answer us in the Republican talking points terms okay? right okay and I and and I said this economic Bill of Rights would be a dynamic force for the Progressive caucus inside of the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party has no story and no vision
1: none okay
5: and an agenda is not enough people forget what's in an agenda okay so and he turned to me and he said i swear to god he turned to me and he said you know nancy always says our values win elections Mm. nancy pelosi i knew who you meant okay wait so understand this is a progressive who was fully aware of where i stand politically and he had the audacity the fucking audacity to quote nancy pelosi to me (laughs) But but it's not that, I mean, that was the silly part of what I said. <laughs> this is not a is, real
1: progressive, this is just someone in that caucus, is what you're saying. Well,
5: actually, I could tell you this is a person who's actually headed the caucus. Okay, okay you're and, kind of like, I I'm about to give away. He also, I know you, know I, I know, I'm
0: pretty sure I know who you're talking
5: about. You know who I'm talking about, uh, yeah, I do. Here.
0: Well, because people think he's a progressive and I'm just like, all of a sudden that name gets thrown around and I'm thinking, no, he's not. Um, He's he's supposed
5: to be the labor guy in the progressive. Hey,
0: you know what? Uh, Yeah. The truth is, uh, you know, Wisconsin, I always say, is one of the best examples of a state that should be extremely populist. And in many ways it is, but it's finding itself to the GOP almost every time.
1: Because the Democrats don't offer them anything. They and the G- Democrats don't
0: they even have
1: spend money to win. win. No, and the GOP are much better snake oil salesmen. <laughs> and are. it's not hard. It's it's not hard to see how it's happening.
6: I I it's, always remember this little factoid: the Democrats lost nine hundred seats across the country when Obama was in office, in state yeah. lit, state houses, in yeah. Congress. Who was the, who was
0: the who was the who was the chair of the Democratic uh, uh, National Committee at that time? I just want to hear it just one time.
1: It was Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Okay, I just want yes. to hear sure. it. It was, just saying, that's the, they, you know.
6: So they don't care. They don't, they, I, they really do not care that a state like Wisconsin, there's no reason why Democrats should be, I think they have a Democratic governor, but mostly Republicans who thwart everything the governor
5: does. Okay, so um, I'll tell you, I said before, working class people are neither stupid nor lack of memory. And basically speaking, they will... They may not be able to give you the details, but they will never forget who it was that gave them NAFTA. Yep.
6: Yeah. And yep. as a
5: consequence, why are they going to, why would they trust the Democrats? Oh, no. By the, you know,
1: have no idea what you've just unleashed.
8: You all know. Well, if you decided to talk about what I passed back in 1993, I have to admit that uh, it may not have been good for you, but it was really good for me. Uh, Jen, how are you doing? Uh, look, I've passed a lot of legislation in my life. Oh, yeah. They always want to talk about what the GOP did and how I had to negotiate with Mr. Gingrich all those years, but never forget what we did during our first two years. We got NAFTA. We started our normal trade relations with China. We got our crime bill. We set in motion the opportunity to pass that wonderful Telecom Act legislation. And then when Newt got in there, we did it even better. You know what we did when Newt came into office? We managed to work together to unravel Glass-Steagall. I mean, come on, how much better can presidency of possibly Well, there.
5: Hey, Bill, you <laughs> fucked up one thing. You failed oh, to privatize Social Security. Look, we came
8: really, really close to privatizing <laughs> Social Security. And the only reason <laughs> we did not do that is because Slick really <laughs> got a little too handsy with an intern and, uh, as it turns out, uh, uh, I pay for really you know know, it If anyone doesn't know,
5: the story is that when the story broke, it was at a time when Newt Gingrich's personal life was, was, he had no desire to face the consequences of his own personal life's, you know, unraveling, and and they just couldn't go ahead with it.
8: Well, uh, I I do understand that, you know, Newt and I had quite a bit in common. We certainly had our uh, competition, if you know what I mean. Uh, But ultimately, uh, the decision was made that Our triangulation of politics in America was going to do everything in its capacity to make sure that the workers absolutely got screwed. But the great news is, (laughs) is that I got rich. Hillary, well, you know, she tried and she failed. And, you know, at least the American people weren't stupid enough to put us in there for a third term. But, uh, man, we really would have enjoyed that power. You should be in prison. there is no such thing as prison. You see, this is the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just explain one thing to all of y'all. There's a reason why the Clintons will never go down. Mm. I passed the crime bill. I am the answer to all the problems in this country. There's oh. a reason. When we pass this wonderful, it's wonderful Let me get
5: the cane and- I can't go. You're gross.
8: When we incarcerate black and brown people for the sake of profit, you really think they would ever put me in prison? Go away. Come on. And a very happy festivist, each and every one of y'all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so there you can go. My,
5: by the way, can I just say my biggest grievance of the past 30 years? Yeah. Is that man? Yeah. Oh.
0: And, they st- and you know, I, I've been around the, the, the heads, if you will, of the Florida Democratic Party, uh, our previous party chair. And listen, I got along with, with Terry Rizzo, but I can tell you that when I brought up Bill Clinton, she's like, but he's such a charming man. I'm like, who gives a shit? <laughs>
1: well, for me, it was no, it's him and Obama. That Absolutely. those together. Wait,
5: sorry, it's just, Carter, Carter, Clinton, Obama. Yeah. we
6: haven't had any real. I mean, I, I one of my great embarrassments. I guess it's a, I don't know, a, a grievance against myself is that I voted for Bill Clinton. I look back, I was like, oh my god. I, I mean, well, I two of us. Yeah, me too. It's so embarrassing. Oh, Harvey. So Margaret,
1: Margaret's book is called Presidential, and yes. each chapter is a president. It's really fun.
5: Mm-hmm. So thank you. Well, I, I I was looking. I didn't. I haven't seen the book yet, but I did. When I saw Margaret was going to be on, I double checked the title of the book.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really good, and she does her own audio book too. Yep, there it is.
0: We have time for one more topic, <laughs> and what I think is important to discuss because we mentioned this on the first panel, and this is something Jen and I have been talking about at length. I think we need some form of a national labor council. Now, what that looks like, uh, I think the fine tooth, you know, the fine tooth details, if you will, need to be worked out. But my theory is that. Even though things are really bad right now, there are tons and tons of labor organizing going around the country, whether it's at Starbucks, whether it's at Amazon. We really need to see it happen at Walmart and a lot of other places in between. There are also people in local unions, bigger unions. I'm not talking about union bosses or delegates. I'm talking about labor organizers, union organizers, people like that. Where Beyond the ground is, people. The working council that needs to come together. We had a gentleman... On our show uh, a few months ago, that is one of the head of the Teamsters Union. And he made it very clear that they have progressive ideals regarding living wage, paid sick leave, universal health care, civil liberties. He has just as many Trump supporters as he does Bernie supporters in the union. Labor is the great equalizer. And right now, labor is what changes the economic infrastructure of the United States. No matter what issues the republicans and democrats are fighting on they're not fighting on labor issues they're fighting on <coughs> issues that don't change the infrastructure of our economy and of our politics but when labor comes to the forefront they get together like nobody's business to screw workers Evidence, of course, with what happened with the railroad workers. What do you guys think about potentially trying to formulate some type of a National Labor Council for the whatever the goal may be? People will talk about a general strike, but as far as I'm concerned, it's about uniting labor against the oligarchy that is running our country. Your thoughts on that as we wind it down?
6: Sounds okay, as long as it's not connected to electoral politics.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. The
5: Democratic Party I, has to... I, come to I, I, want, to clarif- I want clarification. Just tell me what you mean by not connected to labor, to, to electoral politics. That's all I... Well, need. the
0: best the best example was the Sunrise Movement. The Sunrise Movement did an excellent job of electing non-corporate representatives, particularly Jamal Bowman and Cori Bush. They really made the difference in those particular elections. Yes, I know, Margaret, but the point is they ultimately decided... To get in bed with Biden. And they did that with no guarantees whatsoever. They basically decided it's okay for us to become part of the Democratic thinking we're gonna have, you know, the Elizabeth Warren, we're gonna have a seat at the table. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> if you are either making policy and enacting what is needed for labor, then there is no point. You basically become a free agent, almost like that third party that people desperately want. as you always say, we need a party of labor in this country. And we don't have it. Always,
1: everybody sa- everybody here says that.
0: So if we have the ability to basically sway elections based on what is and isn't being done, That, to me, I think could be extremely powerful. And that's ultimately, it's almost like the Eugene Debs, if you will, movement that led to the policies of Teddy and especially of FDR. That only happened because a galvanized labor movement happened in this country over the course of several years. And then eventually things started to materialize and it had nothing to do with electoral politics.
5: Yeah. No, actually, if I can just for the record, because you're making the the mistake that too many people on the left make, okay? Okay. No FDR, you would not have had the labor movement you now have, okay? Because the National Labor Relations, look, it, not the National Labor Relations Act alone, the first, the National Industrial Recovery Act of 33, already included in it a clause that workers had the right to organize. The capital found its way around it, and that's when they came back and Wagner got the national labor relations act passed but it i do not believe for a moment that this whatever council you're talking about should in any way get into bed with politicians but it is the case that it should that we should not we should not lose sight of the fact that without ultimately shaping legislation we won't win i agree that, with that that's really important yeah and just
4: to just to kind of jump in there with a final thought, because I know we're we're coming up on time. Um, and it's been great hanging out with with y'all and airing some grievances yeah. uh, on on this most sacred of holidays, festivus. Um, one parenthetical, maybe we would save it for another stream. But um, I was thinking of you guys because I our like top performer on the Real News website over the past month is actually a podcast interview i did with mike preisner about ron DeSantis's time in guantanamo bay right uh, and it's some really fucked up shit so like yeah. uh, I, would, I would recommend folks you know you know it's a uh, fair warning you know uh, there's an interview with a, a guantanamo detainee so the details get pretty graphic but it's important mm-hmm. listening uh, especially for a guy who has managed to hide his military like you know past i think quite well Um, But we're talking about someone who wants to be president in two years. So we should know about this stuff. But in terms of labor, um, you know, the the historian Tony Gilpin had a great line this time last year, right? Because we're all rightly excited about the fact that unions in terms of public favorability, right, are, you know, like more supported now than they've been in like my lifetime. Right. And that's really good. Right. I think that that is a sea change in the public's perception, not only of labor unions as such, but also like breaking down that distinction that we really tried to play hard into in the 90s and early aughts of like separating our lives and subjectivities as consumers and workers right? Citizens and and voters and workers, right? I think the more that the oligarchy has been like ripping us off, the more that the the proletariat has expanded and working people's wages have been stagnant. Cost of living is going up. We're working harder. We're working longer while the fruits of that productivity are getting siphoned into the pockets of useless fucking billionaires like Elon Musk or Warren Buffett, right? That is the dialectic at work. And so the longer we go in that direction, the more those sorts of boxes that they try to put us in, like they did with the railroads, right? Oh, you, you know, like you as a consumer are about to have Christmas taken away from you because of these greedy workers who are going to go on strike. Less and less people bought into that shit than they had, I think, in the 90s and even in the 80s. Like, that's good. I think that's a really big, significant sea change. But what Tony Gilpin rightly pointed out last year especially when we're talking about labor's relationship to electoral politics, is that labor does not need to be liked. Labor needs to be feared in that realm, right? And when I say labor, I mean all of us, right? Kind of building on what you were saying, Jen, about us being in the proletariat or us being in what Rick Wolf called or said to me on on an interview at The Real News, the order taking class, as opposed to the order-giving class, right? I really like the way that he puts that because, and if you're watching this stream, you are not in the ladder. You are not in the order-giving class, right? None of us are, right? So it just well, there could be there could be
0: a there could be a spy for them watching that is possible,
4: right? Well, we have Bill we have Bill Clinton. That's an exception, right? But um, you know, like in that regard, like yeah, like the uh, we need an independent labor movement that puts the needs of working people at the forefront. Right. Of the the ledger of society's priorities. These aren't things to be negotiated over. These aren't, you know, like, quote unquote, special interests for certain elected officials to juggle in some sort of, you know, like Rube Goldberg, like political coalition. (laughs) Like, no, these are non-negotiable necessities that working people are demanding. Right. And like they are going to put the fear of God into you, not just because they have a voting block that will vote with our class interests first, right? But because we are a powerful force to be reckoned with, that is the missing piece that I hope we carry, you know, the motivation into 2023 to build out that part of this budding kind of revivifying like labor movement, right? That is why I preach so much to folks that this isn't something happening off screen. This isn't something happening in another state. This is happening where you are right now. Your neighbors, your coworkers, the, the, the coffee shop that you go into before you go to work, right? That sort of worker unrest is everywhere. And more and more people in different types of industries are starting to rise up for many of the same reasons. Now, the point that we need to kind of pick up on is we need to connect those, right? Because... It actually doesn't happen as much as you would think. Like, just to give one example, and then I promise I'll, I'll, I'll shut up in a second. I had a, a live stream at the Real News Network uh, last week that I was very proud of. I had a railroader on, Matt Parker. I fucking love that guy. Uh, engineer out of Reno. Um, I had uh, a striking worker at Case New uh, or, or CNH Industrial in Iowa, um, Marcus Derby. Uh, we had someone from the University of California strike, someone from the New School strike, someone from one of the newspaper strikes, uh, the one that was going on in Fort Worth, right? Um, we're always told that like these segments of the working class have nothing in common with each other, that one side is the more uh, uh is the more true blue working class and the other isn't. And like it, you know, even a lot of leftists like love making it seem as if like it's some big logical puzzle to figure out, like, how can we possibly build a working class coalition? I'm like, it's not that fucking hard. First, just talk to people and also get them in the same room and we can actually win this thing. Like, like I said, we had these workers from all over the country, different coal miners. There were uh, Hayden and Braxton Wright were on that call as well from Warrior Met Coal. They were all just talking about how they could support each other, what we could learn from these different struggles. How we could show solidarity and keep these things going, right? And how viewers and listeners could get involved in that. Like, that is not hard. We need to get out of our own heads and stop trying to kind of think about, you know, like this three-dimensional chess and and let the theory do too much work. I think we're all you know, well-versed in Marxism and other types of essential theory that give us the framework for understanding the world that we're in. But when it comes to acting concertedly and building power and building solidarity with our fellow workers, you don't need a whole lot of theory getting in the way of that. You just need a bleeding heart two ears and you need to not be an asshole just actually listen to each other actually care about each other actually yeah. want working people to have a better life if you have those in your corner i promise you you'll be fine and so i wholeheartedly endorse this idea of building in whatever form it takes right at least the start building the infrastructure where through which different segments of the labor movement and the the labor movement to be can start coming in conversation with each other start learning start having conversations that are maybe better had amongst ourselves than online you know in front of everybody right like th- these are strategic questions that we have it within us to figure out and i am heartened by the solidarity i've seen from average people across this country and beyond over the past year whether it be supporting the railroads whether it be you know, raising the alarm about UPS drivers dying in their trucks because of they don't have air conditioning, right? I mean, like, whether it be people standing on these academic picket lines or, or calling out Starbucks and Howard Schultz for violating workers' rights, like, I think that that is really exciting. And what we need to carry into 2023, <laughs> right, is just the understanding that If it builds into a party itself, great. That may not necessarily be like the kind of end result of the the kind of working class cross-industry, cross-state solidarity building mission that we're talking about here. But what I think we need to understand and why I find so much hope in the labor movement as such, right, is because everything we've been talking about, everything that we're – throughout the past hour, right – this is the common theme: is that this is what happens when you live in a society where power, decision-making power, is concentrated in the hands of a very select few, uh, a small group of people who are, as Margaret said, working together by and large throughout most of the goddamn year. Right? They make a show out of like being enemies when it's convenient for them, but by and large, there is the ruling class, and and its lackeys serving its interests. And then there's us, right? and we need to advocate for our own interests. And when working people Take that fateful step Even just to tell their own manager Hey, you can't talk to me that way I'm a human being, right? Or hey, I'm a human being with a life And a sick kid at home If I'm telling you, like, I need to go home I need to go home, right? You know, like, you don't get to determine You know, like, the conditions of my humanity Just because, you know, you have manager On your goddamn name tag, right? Like, doing that changes you Not accepting and abiding that Arbitrary authority changes you, it makes you more the kind of person to realize that you have it within your power to change your circumstances and you can actually do that at a better, more effective and bigger level if you work with your fellow workers and so what I find so hopeful about the labor movement is that if we win. If people through the struggle learn that they can actually change the world that they live in, they don't just have to accept whatever the ruling class gives us or whatever just happens to us by forces beyond our control. The more power we build, the more power we want. And I think that that is why it is so important for us to do whatever we can to make sure working people win, because that starts this kind of catalytic effect that we can be part of when we can't predict how big that will grow. We saw with the George Floyd protests, how big it can get when that many people are motivated and, and are talking to each other about the same issues. So I think we know what can happen, but we actually have to get in there and do the work and we can't be relying on any political party to do it for us.
1: It almost sounds like you had the council all together at one point. Like that's basically what you're talking about. The people that you were saying that you had, that you all, that you were speaking to, those are the kinds of people nationally that should get together, rank and file people like that. And just constantly, you know, even just being aware and being able to support different different areas when they're in need and bring attention to it is really huge.
0: Yeah. And you guys have been absolutely fantastic as always. Uh, I think these panels need to happen like every couple of months, to be well, honest. It's just always I mean, fun, but
1: it's only you know. there's only one Festivus.
0: <laughs> well, there is only one festivist, but we could be talking labor all the time. We are actually- we can always here. do it on Valentine's Day. Yeah, well, a Hallmark holiday. So, and right? I don't, we didn't Maybe.
1: necessarily say this, but this is the Festivus poll Because Festivus, you have the poll and it has to be a plain aluminum pole. Because tinsel is very distracting, according to Frank Casanza. Tinsel is very distracting. And we are People giving strength.
4: out. I picked Margaret to whoop Harvey's ass.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh. So these are the Festivus Tinsels <laughs> that we will be giving out to our top super chats. I have three packs of these. And they are really funny, guys. But there's a lot of good Festivus, Festivus material in here.
0: You guys have obviously been fantastic. And Max, I will be shooting you a message. We are supposed to have a railroad workers panel uh, very shortly. Uh, So I definitely want to keep you posted on that. Uh, Margaret, the floor is yours. Uh, First, let everybody know what you're working on, how they can find you, and then we'll go around. Yeah, we'll do a little
6: round. Sure. uh, Well, we're we're taking our interview break at Black Agenda Report, but go to blackagendareport.com. We'll be back on January 4th. Uh, every Wednesday, and you can uh, catch me on Twitter at Freedom Ride Blog. Thank you both. Oh, awesome. no, I lo- you're one
1: of the best people to come on. It's all of you guys are people that, like, the people that we specifically, when I said Festivus, like, I specifically wanted people that are fun people that I like to talk to. You know, we do all different authors and different people, and sometimes it's very serious and professional, but, like, I definitely wanted to bring back people that I just think are cool to hang out with. So I appreciate
5: that. Harvey, go for it. OK, I'm, I'm doing something that most people will find unreal. But I am making an argument for a big volume that I am not editing, but contributing to that we have failed to appreciate that FDR was actually a radical who was determined to overthrow the remnants of the Gilded Age political order. Mm, yeah. OK, cool. I like it.
1: So where is that? What is that? Is that like is it a project you're working on?
5: It, there's a volume that's being produced, a big academic, well, Princeton University Press, A New History of American Political Thought. These editors around the country asked 50 people to, well, I got FDR that's offered to me. 50. Okay, well,
1: Margaret, that's right up your alley. So, like, you're you're going to, yeah, I mean, you know, this sounds very prejudicial.
0: Max, clean up, back clean up.
4: I know I was late, but did you guys at least mention the fact that Jason Alexander tweeted about Festivus today?
1: No, uh, but more di- Not yes. our
4: well, not our Festivus. But yeah. Jason Alexander was like, "I have to say Happy Festivus to everybody." <laughs> right? Yeah. It was wow. a very
0: nice way to wake up. Um, Look,
1: in, in my dream, he'd make like a little cameo here, but we're just not that big. Maybe
0: year three, we'll see what the third annual. What we'll do we'll
1: get, we'll season. catch the momentum, and we'll be able yes. to get him on next year.
0: Yeah. So, Max,
1: He's
5: other hey, than playing you know, a panel point. with Jerry Seinfeld, that would be really fun. Uh, I, would pay, I would pay to watch that.
4: Um, yeah. So uh, thanks again, yeah, for having us on, guys. Happy Festivus to everyone. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I too, uh, and and the team here at the Real News are taking a much needed break after a very exhausting year. So thank you to everyone who watched, read, listened to, and supported us. Uh, We are in our end of year fundraiser right now. So if you want to support our producing of the Chris Hedges Report, the Police uh, Accountability Report, Rattling the Bars, founded by legendary Black Panther and political prisoner Eddie Conway, right? These are weekly productions that we put on. The Mark Steiner Show, my podcast, Working People, like all of that comes from the viewers who support us. Um, So please, if you can, Head on over to realnews.com forward slash support. Support our On
1: uh, You know what? I've been like following that in, for years now, like for years back when it was like two people doing it. <laughs> and um, it's it's really good, people. I highly recommend um, checking out The Real News.
5: Can I just God. add one other note? Go yeah. Because yeah. I don't think I ever talked about it with you guys. My very first book published back in 1984. Yeah. It's been but it, in, a, in a third edition.
1: All right. The British Marxist, Marxist historians. historians. All right. Uh, buy,
4: buy my book too while you're at it.
1: <laughs> and, and yeah, and I, I love that book. I love that book. I love, love the people in that book. And I love that they're real. I love the burlesque dancer. I think that she that 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 that's my favorite. I don't know. There's oh. a lot of good characters, but they're real people, but it's
5: Thank really you for great. Reading it. Max, for yeah. to see you. Margaret, nice to meet you. Always you two Floridians. It's great, but go pack go on Sunday.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. Margaret Kimberly Harvey K Max Alvarez Bye, Thanks guys. so much guys Happy, Bye. Bye. Oh, happy holidays <laughs> And we have One Final Panel
1: I know it's very and Because exciting. this
0: gentleman Is just such a Big deal. I you know a,
1: you say that, but he's just so normal
0: person. His, I don't know uh,
1: why it's like such a big deal with well, that.
0: Because it's, it's, well, because we have a lot to catch up on because it has been a while. And this time we're getting him with video and audio. So how do you like that balance? Remember last time you went to do the video? Oh, that's right. Because he had a thing. He had a thing. But he now had a thing. Better. And you guys know him as one of the best streamers out there who is teaching the gaming world about the real economic downtrodden and what it's gonna to take to succeed. We are big fans of his. I am sure you are as well. Vosh welcome back to Generational Change. Audio out. Audio's out. Um uh
1: the thing. Yes. Because
0: it just fits.
1: Now it does, yeah. It's weird we heard static.
0: Yes, it's not our static.
1: No, I don't know what it is, but. Um,
0: Got it. Uh,
1: Yay!
9: Oh, it's always something. It can never be easy. Hello, was that was that Larry? Goddamn Davis.
1: Okay, that's so funny. You said that. No, but we were talking about how he often gets mistaken, and actually, <laughs> he is. That's Harvey K. He is a professor at Wisconsin Green Bay. He's extremely, he's, I mean, he's socialist. He's very leftist. We were having like a labor panel and and he actually hates hates Seinfeld because of all, of, like it basically is the antithesis of everything that he's about. But it's just so funny, because everyone thinks he looks like Larry David. That's
9: a dead ringer. He could make a lot of money with like just impersonating <laughs> him somewhere like on, on Hollywood Boulevard or whatever. Like people just go, oh yeah, $5 an autograph. He Like he could make a lot.
1: He's had people come up to him. That's what he was saying. Like he's actually had people come up to him and ask him if he's Larry David.
9: That's incredible. um i, I I'd say, go for it, honestly. There's no higher honor um than just making making it all off like a a Seinfeld uh, impersonator. Um, truly the height of uh of um what would you call it like ethical production, a socialist dream. How are yeah. you guys doing?
1: We're good. so are you very i mean how familiar are you with Seinfeld stuff? Because you're definitely way younger.
9: Um, I've actually, I've never actually seen the show, but I've seen so much like cultural downstream stuff. You know right, that right. Yeah, that I feel like I'm, I'm kind of familiar anyway. So you understand
1: the Festivus, like have you, so you've heard of Festivus.
9: I've certainly heard of it. Yeah, though I don't. I. Crimpit? Is it Christmas? Is it Christmas thing? I don't actually know.
1: Okay, so Festivus is, it's from Seinfeld. It's a reference to Seinfeld. And basically, Jerry Stiller was the actor, the comedian. And he played Costanza's father. And he's like this wackadoo. And he, when George was little, created this holiday because he just had to find a better way and he created a Festivus for the rest of us and it was like all these ridiculous things you had the airing of grievances the feats of strength and you see we have our aluminum pole and it's just it was the most ridiculous thing ever and so that's that's what Festivus is it's from Seinfeld it's a Seinfeld
9: I like that that feats of strength bit I like that a lot the idea of a bunch of strong men like huddled around a fire tossing rocks um, well, it
1: could be that, but how it how it was done on Seinfeld is you have to take down the host, basically. You take Durns until you pin the host. Until you
0: pin me, George. Festivus isn't over.
1: <laughs> like it's the most ridiculous thing ever. So we've never actually had feats of strength on this show. But that would be really said We'd need a much bigger studio.
9: You don't you don't pay people to fly out there and, and physically fight you um every holiday? No.
1: We don't have money to pay for guests. Are you kidding me? What do we do? We, <laughs>
0: We're, try, we're, we're trying our best to become more relevant as best we can. Obviously, this is uh, one of the panel uh, discussion shows where a lot of people find us and then they're like, oh, yeah, you guys yeah, aren't you so guys bad. Yeah, you guys aren't so bad. You know. Yeah, required like taste.
9: Host the Festivus at a local sports bar and just sort of incorporate the feats of strength by starting bar <laughs> fights. Um, and you'll be fine. You'll be dandy. You'll find your content. <laughs>
1: you think, that could be our niche.
0: Well, I I think if we were capable of hosting in my location, I mean that that could be fun. Yeah, it could be. We could have to do a pretty good job. So, how do you look at 2022 as we end it? If you had to air,
1: I mean, really, the key thing of Festivus is the airing of grievances. So that's really what we've been doing: is people come on and air their grievances. Last year, some people even actually had written lists. So you know, it's kind of what would you say would be your like some of your grievances and, and it doesn't have to be just this year. I mean, we sort of do it as an end of the year thing, but it, it doesn't have to
9: be.
0: Well, the, the, there's, there are certain topics that you may want to cover. So yeah, anything.
1: yeah, please air grievances.
9: Oh, that's rough for me because I get along so well with everyone, you know, I can't even <laughs> oh, think of anything. Um, I I mean, I don't know the concept. I have a
0: grievance with you. Uh, oh, uh, hit I'll, it. I'll get to it. Okay. I, uh, oh. Absolutely. You have a grievance with V. Right, well, I do actually. Uh-oh. I do. You 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 just you just you had you just had to platform Jackson Ingle. You just had to do it. <laughs> oh God. This yeah. is going to be his
1: grievance with you.
0: Uh-oh. I swear to God, man. He is like, and, and I know I guess my my question for you is. There's a lot of like imitators on you know stream services and all different things that people will do in order to garner clout, support, things like that. He's particularly egregious because he's just such a dickhead. But I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, you know what is know this person. what is the motivation? Like what what is uh, c- he claims that he's like oh yeah I'm totally for you know I'm a populist I'm this I'm maga this I'm communist I'm just like no no you're just trying to make money that's what you're doing and he parlayed having a debate with you which obviously you know you buried him but he you know he wants to claim that he was somehow victorious and like oh vosh just didn't want to do this he wanted to do that and why do so many people gravitate to that crap i guess is the question
9: um oh god that's a really complicated uh, no i i i kind of share this grievance i think um the big issue is, so he used to be like a big Hillary Clinton kind of guy. Um, yes. And people say like, really? oh, he's changed so much. I don't think he actually has. I, I think that he's always just believed in one thing, which is just kind of like pure power. Just like the, the grift in its most absolute form. Like it, like nothing else actually matters. Any belief he has to have that facilitates that is the right one to him. And as a product of that, like it, it seems shiftless from our side of things, but that's, I mean, he's, he's kind of like perfect for that. Cause he's very sort of naturally spineless. I think a lot of people, especially <laughs> young people and very, um, insecure people whose lives aren't going very well. They don't, when they go online, whether you're talking about gaming or politics or whatever else, they're not really looking for like entertainment so much as they are looking for like a social avenue to validate their lives. And I think that people like Jackson are really good at providing that because he basically like shiftlessly dips in between 17 different iterations of, you know, actually, this is the correct politics and I'm the apex of masculinity. And if you disagree with that, it means that you're in the outside group and you're without worth and blah, de blah. I think it's just a way of like grappling 15 year olds with their parents' money.
1: But you just wanted to chat with him, right? Like you were just like, you'll talk to whoever.
9: Well, he wanted to talk about the conspiracy theory that Assad never used chemical weapons against his own people. Um and it, I did a bunch of research on like, oh yeah, you know, the, the claims made by this one guy were totally like inaccurate. And I did a bunch of research on that. I was literally researching like the specific blast damage on a building to see if it corresponded to the claims that it could have been a like um, Moab that was dropped or whatever, like a big helicopter bomb rather than gas. It, it, I did all this research and then I like, I actually talked with him and it, none of it mattered because he basically just like, sat there and went, um, well, what if the official story isn't true for two and a half hours? And it's pretty, it's pretty fun.
0: I have, um, I obviously have, you know, my doubts and I don't know what to trust. I think in terms of, you know, there's like so little that we really know in terms of our government as far as what goes on domestically. Foreign policy-wise, we know significantly less than that. Um, when I look at what's going on right now, you know, regarding Ukraine, it's one of those situations where, If you're going to be anti-war, then this isn't a case of saying, all right, I disagree with the way that the U.S. is involved with Ukraine, but that doesn't mean that you go inside with Putin. It's like if the goal is to ultimately end this war, which is my goal, which I think is most people's goal, however quickly it can be done. Then saying that, oh well, I I totally agree with you know the the side of you know Russia and you know the, everything about you know Ukraine is they're, they're all controlled by Nazis. It's it's this need for uh, not to be contrary. There's like a technical word for it. It's like you're a um, contrarian. Well, yeah, we're an opportunist. You know, you're looking you're looking to be. Um, Well, even a contrarian, I guess, could be, you know, one way of looking at it is to just say, well, whatever is the overall consensus, I'm going to do the opposite. Yes,
1: that is a contrarian.
0: So that I think is uh, and there's a real market for that uh, because we are such a divided country right now. and, And a big part of the discussion that we've been having this evening relates to. You know, the railroad workers and what happened to them and the fact that labor is really the unifying issue of our time. We have a question. We do have a question. We could we, we could go to that. Uh, Satanic Cabal wants to know, Vosh. speaking of ethical co- production, may you. Uh, are, is it possible to have ethical consumption under capitalism? Is it even possible? If not, should we even try?
9: Um you, well, I uh, well, I think you should try, right? I mean, I think it's good to try, but ultimately like the systems are always going to grind out unethical behaviors. So there's not really anything that any individual behavior can do about that. Even if you live some kind of like hypothetically perfect, like you're vegan and you take a bike everywhere and so on, you will always find ways to contribute to bad systems. As long as you can acknowledge that and try to do as best as you can in spite of it. I think that's fine, right? I mean, we all try the best we can. Nobody can be perfect.
1: No. And, you know, the things that they try to convince us are our own personal responsibility is really in their avoidance of handling things at the macro level. And I'm not saying that individuals don't have a responsibility. Like, I don't use plastic straws. If they come, I don't open them. I don't use them because I don't like the idea of a straw that I use stuck in some you know, turtle's nostril somewhere out in the ocean. And so I just don't use it, but that's not going to solve the climate crisis, you know? And I think that they put so much individual responsibility. It's really a good way of shifting the real burden. This is a major problem. So like whether or not I boycott a particular business, like a Walmart or an Amazon, that's not where the problem, the problem has to be addressed much higher up than that. Like we're, we're way past that working at this point. That's yeah you
9: you have to keep your eyes on the prize. Like the most fucked up thing you can do I think is try to leverage your good habits as a way of avoiding systemic critique. You know, so because you use the, the, the paper straws or because you bike to work or whatever, you get this feeling of like, oh, well, I'm not part of the problem. But in reality, like it, it was never that you as an individual were part of the problem. Problem was like this really big systemic thing. And you, you're kind of individualizing it in a way that really benefits the people who are actually themselves the problem, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's what they, and that's like courtesy of propaganda from the fossil fuel industry and, and, and all of and whatever plastic production companies and all of that stuff. Like you're only going to get so much information. Yeah. Well, I don't shop at Walmart just because I don't like it. And I do think it's a crappy company, but me boycotting it is not going to solve the problem. Right? Like there's a lot of people I know that don't go to Walmart for that, but that's not going to solve the problem.
9: Yeah. Boycotts are Generally, not that effective way of solving systemic problems. You can do; it. they can work pretty well in like a localized sense. You know, like the um the black um, bus rider boycotts in the South, yeah, civil rights. Those are because that's very targeted. That's very local. But like it's like boycotting Amazon. Like okay, yeah, right. We're we're not reversing this trend with individual action. That shit's going to take policy.
1: Right. Right. And the problem is, is that all the people, when you have people like the head of Amazon owns the, wa- owns the Washington Post.
9: Washington Post, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right?
1: It's like you can see how people might feel defeatist about ever really being able to do anything when the fourth estate is owned by the same people it's supposed to be, like, protecting us it's like, well,
0: it's like seeing a headline from the WAPO the other day basically saying, my war with Iran is inevitable. I'm just like... God in heaven. When I say democracy, democracy, it is all
1: wars are inevitable when you're controlled by a military industrial complex.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the way we see it, you know, if you're able to unite labor in some facet and what we've discovered is when it comes to living wage, universal health care, civil liberties, even things like criminal justice reform and ending the wars, and then maybe even the biggest one of all, you know, building out a clean energy grid, You know, as you've often said, it's really about the language. You know, green energy grid sounds better, uh, more appealing to most people than a Green New Deal. People
1: are turned off to the concept of Green New Deal because of the whole, yeah, marketing matters. Branding matters.
0: But if we're able to unite across the labor board, which seems to be very effective these days, I think that that's really something that doesn't get talked about enough. But I think we could probably get a lot of people on board, especially those that get marred down in the wedge issue dilemmas and all of that stuff. If you can unite around labor, I think that that's the ticket for the future, and especially right now, uh, the way things are going, it just seems to be getting worse and worse every day. Most people can't, you know, afford to live. So how do you fix it? Well, you know, labor history of labor has always been, you know, how you get it done.
9: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm hoping that public sentiment runs more in favor of um of labor following the rail strikes you know I haven't actually seen much like authentic honest you know homegrown anti-union sentiment uh it seems every time I see something about the labor strike that you know Biden has blocked with the um the railroads uh it it, it seems like when people like not just you know the financial sector or whatever when they talk about it I feel like I see a lot of sympathy despite the fact that a rail strike could legitimately contribute to a lot of negative economic, uh, you know, um, trends right now, and that gives me some hope. The idea that you know, even in times of some hardship, people are willing to to think positively of um, of, of organized labor. Hopefully, that you know, we'll get something from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've to me that is the common denominator because we're not going to. I mean, that's what is going to bring people to even discuss what we've always considered progressive issues, if we would stop calling them progressive issues and just call them like working class issues, because this is a class war. You know, that's what we're seeing. And a lot of the other stuff is definitely like tactics to keep us all divided. And it's very, very effective. And that's one of the things we're talking about, like the whole just two-party system is completely created as like this facade for the ruling class. And we're just all sort of just milling around, fighting amongst each other. And it's very, very frustrating. Um, But one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I don't do debates. I don't do debates. I don't want to do debates. I believe what I believe. If new information comes to light, I'm very happy to listen to it and take it in. But I think debates are gratuitous and they're generally done just for people to like stick it to each other. Oh, they're terrible.
9: You're doing the right thing.
1: Okay. So, but you apparently are very good at this. Like this is something that you do. So I just wanted you to talk about like this past year, like reflect on, have there been any really good debates that you've had that were worthwhile or are they just like at this point somewhat ridiculous and you do it because it's like, you just do it.
9: Oh, they've always been ridiculous. Uh, And I do it, I do it because it's a good way of like, spreading my message, my ideology, people find it entertaining and they're more likely to listen to messages they find entertaining in terms of like a debate that like prompted interesting discussion or, uh, you know, like enriched people intellectually. No, (laughs) no, it's a terrible format for that. Um, it's, it's just, it's very, very bad for that. But one of, one of my arguments has always been that, um, as, as sort of, um, tasteless as it may seem it can be really beneficial to get good at participating in like the grungier more bad faith kinds of Uh, political engagement because the right has that down like a lot of people get radicalized over to the far right because they're like boomers who listen to talk radio where some guy with a waddle neck is screeching about how gay people are ruining america and like there's, there's nothing of value to this intellectually they do it anyway and it works and it brings a lot of people over i think the most we can strive to be is honest um as long as we're honest and i certainly try to be i think you can get your hands dirty with as much stupid that faith fucking debate bullshit as you want because you're trying your best to make the world a better place when you engage with people like that.
1: Right. Well, your your message is whatever your message is. Right. And what's interesting is somebody who I I wasn't in debate in high school because I was like more newspaper oriented. But as somebody who went to law school and had to do like moot court and mock trial and all this stuff, like I'm very familiar what is a legitimate debate. Like I know what a legitimate debate is. And I love to watch a real debate. I have a picture of Christopher Hitchens hanging up on my wall like I am. I am about a good debate. It's all good. But what people in politics say is a debate. No, it's not it's arguing moot points. I don't want to, I'm not going to argue universal healthcare any more than I'm going to argue with a flat earther. Like I'm just not going to like, wh- what is to be gained from that? And I just don't have the patience for it. And some of the people you deal with, there are some levels of stupid that I've seen that you talk to even just audio that I just don't even know how you keep a straight face.
9: Oh, well, that's the kid. Well, I, I I often don't. I mean, oftentimes these debates are just about finding ways to make fun of them in funny ways. Um, I mean, well, it it comes down to that, right? I mean, you know, especially like you say, universal healthcare, right? Like, there are some interesting conversations you can have about universal healthcare based on like a a, a pragmatic. Um, yes like okay well how would that system work you know how would you pay for it okay those questions aren't necessarily bad faith you can have a good convo and it gets complicated and there are real trade-offs you know the government much as it can do a lot more than it is right now it doesn't have limitless money and power you know uh what might we lose through universal health care something sometimes maybe but, No, we
1: could we could debate the different systems that would work yeah yeah i but, won't debate whether or not we're entitled to have it no exactly like, and that's, that's the other point right
9: it's that ethical foundation and then you yeah. you'll have people who will discuss the granular bits and that's good um but then you'll have people who just feel like mm, uh, actually i think the poor should just have to suffer because otherwise they'll like right. i don't know they'll like get lazy. I don't know. And, and it's like, okay, well, what the fuck? What, like, how am I engaging with this? Come on. Fuck you.
0: Like, and then well, you Well,
1: that's yourself up from your bootstraps, people. Listen, I'm not talking with those people because we're not living in the same universe. Listen,
0: that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. If you ever decide that you want to debate me, Vosh, I will definitely uh, debate you and you are just going He's trying going to, to lose. be Ben Shapiro. Oh, I recognize.
9: That's a good impression.
0: Uh, uh, you're definitely going to lose. And I am totally a masculine male. I am totally uh, all about pleasing my wife and being a champion of the Populist right. You didn't know what wet
1: pussy was. You're not
0: about pleasing your wife. You're speaking very inappropriately and I- (laughs) Oh, I'll
1: speak inappropriately. Do you understand
0: that it is the, listen, it is Shabbos right now and you are speaking very inappropriately. It is Shabbos, why are you here? You are dressed very inappropriately and you shouldn't be talking like that. Uh, But believe me, Vosh, I will meet you on that debate stage and I will crush you.
9: Uh, He might crush me with his arms too. He's been I think he wears (laughs) lifts.
1: I think he wears lifts in his shoes.
9: I, I think he'd be a worthy opponent. I w- if there's ever a guy I want to do, what do they call it, chess boxing with, it would be Ben Shapiro. That'd be a, oh, that would be good content. That would be incredible content.
1: But do you ever feel you're, like, look, you are actually a really smart, philosophical type person. Oh. Like, you actually could be engaged in real debates that are interesting, right? Like, you you know what I mean? Like, that are actually good. And instead, you're sort of, sometimes it's like a cat with a mouse just sort of toying with it for fun.
9: I think... I think that as a leftist um, and as a progressive, being correct is a, is a very easy side of the conflict. It's, it's the easiest. It's kind of a gimme, to be honest. The difficult thing is being correct and getting people to listen to you. Um, and, and the more I've done what I do, the more I've realized that's the actual battleground there. Um, I've heard correct arguments. Uh, uh, towards every position I believe in being delivered my entire life fruitlessly. How many correct arguments have been made to the effect of climate change being a real threat to humans, right? I mean, we've been hearing this stuff since, at least I have, since I was a little kid and things remain as they are. The real kicker is, you know, how effectively can keep people that, you know, actually change their behavior on account of it. And that to me is the real skill ceiling. That's what I try to focus on. And that's what I'm, you know, always trying to learn more at because it's it's actually very difficult to get people to listen to you.
1: So what's your mission? What are you trying to do?
9: Well, right now, I'm just mostly concerned with the imminent fascist takeover of the United States. It's, it seems,
1: valid concern. it's a
9: valid yeah, concern. Yeah, the Republican Party is very committed to anti-democracy at the moment, like in a, it, with a consistency and a shamelessness that we just really haven't ever seen before. And I see the Democrats are just. Just chilling. <laughs> well, they're
1: weird. Mick resistance. That's Mick resistance. That's yeah, yeah.
9: Like we get the Jan 6 uh committee's recommendation to prosecute Donald Trump. The issue here isn't Donald Trump. Donald Trump's just the guy who's there what? at the moment. Like the, the entire party apparatus for the GOP is fully committed to this. If it's not Trump, it'll be DeSantis or anyone else. Um yeah. But you know we're just kind of sleepwalking into this. Very disappointing. Well, but- we
0: definitely think it is DeSantis at this point. Although um, yeah. Margaret Kimberly, who was uh, who was on the panel before, does think that uh, Josh Hawley is uh, is going to run for president, and I, I could see that. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen in twenty four, but it it just stands to reason that we're kind of living through this whole you know, neoliberalism nightmare all over again. Well,
1: we're in this post neoliberalism uprising and people are going to the right because there is no left.
9: No, I I completely agree. And frankly, not only is there no left, there's not even like a liberal left. If you want a message on what the Republicans care about right now, they have an army. They have, like, a massive, incredibly, like, dedicated, well-funded, committed media team that will give you an extremely extensive understanding of what they're about right now. What what do do the Democrats have? Like, here's a quick question, by the way. Who are the Democrats throwing up there for 2024? We have guesses, but, like, normally a political party, especially, you know— a front-running political party whose current guy is like 800 years old, you'd think they would have like very clear, strong, early messaging on who they think strong contenders are. What do we have? Nobody knows what's going on. And as a product of that, Democrats don't have anywhere to turn when it comes to cohesive messaging. Republicans can look to literally any of their political leaders or pundits to get that kind of cohesion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but how much of that do you think is really just motivated by the paycheck? I mean, you look at you know, they just did their Turning Point USA event in, I think it was in Phoenix, if, if I'm not mistaken. And then, of course, you have, uh, you know, all of these individuals. Um, the person I dislike the most is probably Steven Crowder. But, you know, you get a lot of these individuals that figure out a way to cultivate a lot of support. Um, but I think a lot of that stems from one thing that the right whether it is the you know Stephen Crowder, whether it is Ben Shapiro, and then you have the flex, flex right, if you want to call it, you know the the Tim Pools of the world, you know they they identify themselves as anti-establishment. And we're living in a world today where identification with, let's say, the Democratic Party and at least the faces of the Democratic Party is that of the D.C. bureaucratic establishment that people simply can't stand. And so that opens up an opportunity for those types of individuals who, you know. Dave Rubin probably being the best example of saying, oh yeah, I'm totally an outsider. I'm totally, you know, not for the DC establishment. Hey, by the way, buy my book, uh, you know, do this, do that. That's going to make me a lot of money. Uh, I, I think they've really cultivated that desire for the anti-establishment movement that is happening in this country. Do you see it the same way?
9: Oh, no, completely. Yeah. The Democrats are like violently reject. So to my mind, like both republicans and democrats are ultimately subservient to capital uh, in in different ways and to different extents i think the republicans are way worse in this respect but ultimately like you know it's the same master and um with with republicans all this culture war fascism bullshit is basically just an extension of the same play run they've been doing since reagan which is we're going to wholeheartedly commit to like culture war talking points as a way of distracting the average voter from the fact that we are fucking them sideways with our economic policy. You know, um, we're going to pass nonstop (laughs) wealthy tax cuts and you're just going to sit there and take it because also we're the ones who are keeping abortion from happening or this or that or whatever. And they, they, they fully commit to that. Um, Well, we're
1: protecting you from the gays. No, we're protecting you from the trans people in the bathroom. And so somebody has to protect you from them. Because those Democrats are teaching them how to just change genders in kindergarten from the just violent, out there.
9: from the violent video games, from the satanic panic, hair metal bands, like always and always and always and yeah. always it goes on, and it's and, and like through all that, you know, they're able to they're able to find I, I like populist ways of pushing their messaging that don't conflict with that appraisal of capital, but Democrats don't have that because what happens if you go for populist left? Um the populist left is anti-capital. They'll actually challenge corporations, you know? Yeah. Uh, you go you go Bernie Sanders and you actually see a threat to the power systems in this country. Donald Trump doesn't represent that. So Thank for that you. reason, I think the Dems are terrified of their own populist wing, which means they <laughs> can't really compete with Republicans on the same playing field. Nobody like nobody likes institutionalists right now. it's It's completely out of fashion.
1: No, I mean, well, but the Democrats proved that they preferred Donald Trump to Bernie Sanders. I mean, they proved that like that to me is clear. They're all on the same team. You know, the Democrats just tend to be a little bit better on social issues. So they're they're at least they're kinder and gentler when they stab you. Um, but it, it's they all dollars lead getting, to the same people still
0: getting stabbed.
1: Oh, you're still getting stabbed. That doesn't change. they're just kinder and gentler about it. And I think people are desperate and the Democrats don't offer anything. They stand for nothing. And when you ask who they're going to put up, as of right now, they're saying Joe. They're saying Joe's running for a second term. So
0: Ooh, that's- and, this is, and, and part of the reason why I believe the GOP is going to win in 24 is that you're really stuck in this very dangerous position of, well, we want Joe again simply because he's the incumbent president but he's incapable of campaigning so let's just start with that if you don't actually have a primary which putting south carolina first is deliberately done to make sure that there isn't one or at least one that isn't competitive and so by doing that you completely eliminate any type of enthusiasm for
6: a primary for
0: for no or just an enthusiasm for a candidate going into 24 and you know that whatever the gop is going to do no matter how Bloody, their primary is going to be because eventually other people are going to get in there to join Trump, whether it is Pence, whether it is Nikki Haley, whether it is Ron DeSantis, whether it's Kanye West.
1: Kanye West, he's going for it. In the
0: GIMP outfit or not. I mean, the bottom line is that primary is going to be rough, but ultimately they will unite to beat either Joe Biden or whomever. To me, speaks of greater volumes to. We desperately need to get something going here. I mean, our thought was possibly having some type of a labor organizer leader run against. It's Joe. It's just not enough
1: time. And the bottom line is, they're going to put up Joe because that's what they've got.
9: No, I, I I completely agree. It's it's ridiculous. It um, it, there doesn't seem to be any like institutional like drive to win from the democrats you know the, they the, like the, the gop this. is burning themselves through like they're they're risking a lot of internal conflict by promoting Desantis over trump they're they're like they're willing to put effort into what they think will suit their party most effectively in the future dems are just just you know they're just sitting there just sitting there just a big easy fat target um, well
1: don't you think it's sort of like that's their role they're the Mick resistance. That's the point. Like they're not really. There. This is all like WWE wrestling kind of thing. Like they're 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 all kind of friends at the end. People like Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. They'll like hang out. Like this isn't. It, they just play the bad guy on TV. Yeah,
9: I I used to think that it was malicious on their part that they were the planned opposition. But the more this happens, I actually don't think that's true. I actually think that it's in a way it's more sinister. It's an ideological thing. I think that liberalism and its precepts kind of leads them to believe that this civility high road bullshit, I I think they mean it when they say it, you know, when, when, when Mitch McConnell, um and Nancy Pelosi like get along or whatever. I legitimately think that in Nancy Pelosi's head, she's doing this like, ah, well, by indicating that I'm willing to sit down with the opposition, right. I'm actually one of the people saving American democracy. And no matter how many times the Republicans like stab Democrats in the back or lie or uh, you know, uh, turn their back on mutually necessary legislation, I genuinely think they believe that. I think I think it's like a like a liberal mind parasite. There's like a brainworm keeping them from understanding what happening
1: yeah it's also you know that reminds me we've done a few shows like this past year where we really focused on like the toxicity of neoliberalism we had um and like i'm drawing lily geismer was on um about her book left behind really talking about how the party like the neoliberal direction is just that's what's killing everything but that's what's ultimately pushing people to go behind a fascist right wing It's the result. It's the it's the result droppings of what was left after we had people like, you know, Bill Clinton uh, and Barack Obama. Like we're we're, this is they've created this
0: and it becomes so much easier for those individuals that we were talking about in order for them to cultivate some type of a support network, because. You still see a lot of people who just think, well, capitalism actually works. It's just not working the right way. And if we just do this, that and the other thing, no, the system is broken. Our economic and political system in this country is broken and it needs to be fixed. It isn't going to be fixed by doing what we've done, thinking that you're just going to save it by uh, make you know putting uh, Band-Aids on a gaping wound. Something is simple, Vosh, which I think is one of the most important grievances that we can have. Obviously, we have our grievances on the outside for labor, especially the railroad workers. But the grievance on the Hill that I think is just unbelievable at this point is the fact that they can't even get a vote on whether or not to ban insider trading amongst congressional representatives.
1: We're actually discussing that. Like that's the fact that the people doing it vote on it. It's laughable. It's on, like a, come on, a, 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 Nancy
0: it, Pelosi has to make money
9: somehow. Come on, come on. So, uh,
1: we found out by the way, do you remember the whole thing during COVID where she's like showing off the ice cream in her freezer? You remember mm. that whole thing, yeah? Right? I remember, okay. So, it turns out she doesn't even pay for the ice cream, the company sends it to her for free anyway. Yeah, I just found that out last night, which is just so um. random. To f- I just happen to find that
0: out, but One I'm day like,
9: that'll be me. I'll be <laughs> I strive, that's the American dream of seeing it. Corruption and going like, oh, I yeah, dude.
0: You? But don't you think that at some point the corruption becomes just so brazen in everybody's face that they're just not going to take it anymore? Well, Here's the thing.
9: In terms of so like, again, in terms of like open corruption, nobody beats Donald Trump. Donald Trump was. The most flagrant, like wouldn't divest from his businesses, immediately got his family members in there, like the Jared Kushner two billion with the Saudis thing, um, like did preferential business with with countries that he had like estate holdings in with like his territory. He like incredibly corrupt. But the the difference is like just in terms of pure optics, um, Donald Trump is able to sell anti-establishmentarianism like as a concept he's able to make it seem like it's a thing he's doing he's not that's not true he's lying as he often does um but the democrats don't have an interest even in an aesthetic adoption of that the democrat messaging is everything is fine stay the course we just need to try a little bit harder at what we're doing right now and it'll all be okay um, I think We just stuff, need one more Democrat
1: in there We just, just gotta one, get one more Democrat in a there A little
9: bit further, you know And I do think, like, I, I, I do believe That um, the Republicans' fear is bullshit Because the stuff they say they want to change Is like, oh yeah, dude, America is dying Because of trans people or whatever But the messaging they take Like the tone of Things are fucked and we need to have like substantial change. Fear. Fear is warranted from the position of the average American right now. That's not a lie when it's being done
0: on our side. No, it's true. But It's not the trans people. Excuse me. I would not. Listen, you totally brought me up and now we have to talk. I'm not calling you Bosch. I'm calling you douche. That's your new name. And you're going to stick with it as long as I'm around. You are totally fake news. I totally did exactly what everybody else does. Just
1: to give everybody a fucking nickname.
0: No, it's totally legal. Believe me, douche. sanctimonious. No, we're totally- Ron
1: sanctimonious. Ron
0: sanctimonious totally got in the way, but believe me, believe me, this is a festival, festivus, whatever you call it. We are making America great again. Again. In 24. And if you get in the way, douche, we're going to have a real problem. I am a totally honest transparent greatest person on the planet you guys have me.
1: both been banned He's from different platforms you guys have some stuff in
0: common no we totally don't have anything <laughs> yeah exactly we could work together no we're totally <laughs> not if, if you want to make america great again we can work together that's wonderful but I, but we, that's- we both hate
9: women we don't trust
0: women we can work together no, I told, no women are no women i totally trust women vosh trust- are you, misogynist? <laughs>
1: Vaj, no, are you misogynist is that what you're saying
0: i will no, be for for donald trump Okay. Oh, that's really great. Well, women are second-class citizens. They understand that. So anyway, we're having this really great conversation about what is honest government. I am an honest person, a tremendous person, yeah. and people telling me that I'm a liar. All the things that I do are for the benefit <laughs> of the American people. You need I, I, to get me back in that White I, I, House. Nobody's putting
1: you back in the White House. No, you
0: totally have to get me back in the White I
9: House. I understand this a bit, but I also want to point out that sincerely that rhetoric right there is what the democrats are missing there is no urgency like listening to biden speak is like listening to like a like a lecturer at a a, like a a, you know like an aquarium explain the mating cycles of clownfish there's no it's 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 (laughs) incredibly boring and you know what no matter what like as a streamer, as a leftist, I won't tune in for a Biden speech because that shit's boring. I will for a Trump speech because that shit isn't boring.
0: That is you know, because I totally understand the American people. Sleepy Joe, he's way past bedtime. He needs to this go to is sleep. True. He is really out of his element. I still don't understand how I lost that last election. It makes no sense. It was only because of COVID and
1: he barely won. Well,
0: that's very true. And if only I had cared more about the American people. If only you
1: cared about anybody but yourself.
0: Well, listen, in this world, it's either kill or be killed. And I'm not being killed. I'm living forever. So gross. So get out there, get yours while you can. And if you support me. We're going to make America great again, again in 24.
1: Go, you're so gross.
0: Great this is actually see, worse
1: than when you were Bill Clinton Great to see. Ago. Great to
0: see you, douche. I hope to make Go it on away. your show sometime. You're really great. <laughs> I hope so too, you know? I've, I think that would kind of
9: be a career highlight a little bit.
0: <laughs> it would be interesting. But I think from, from the perspective of why people gravitate to him, it has more to do with this idea that Okay, well, at least I know he's being transparent about the fact that he's corrupt. Whereas everyone else wants to (laughs) pretend like we're not corrupt, it's just Trump. He's the only bad guy. It's like he just does it brazenly in public. But
1: so does Nancy Pelosi. So does our congresswoman. They're doing insider trading, like all of it. It's just so gross. And I
0: think as much as people hate Trump, there's more people that hate the bureaucratic establishment that is American politics even more than they hate Trump. And that's, I think.
9: I, I, think, I think that it's like, it's like the whole, uh, you know, any individual senator might have an approval rating of like 50%, but the Senate as a whole has an approval rating of 11%. I yeah. think everybody has an understanding of some kind of like nebulous government corruption that they disapprove of. The problem is that everyone points it like it's in the other direction, you know. Oh, yeah, the nebulous government corruption, they're doing it. They're doing it. Um, there's not really much consistency. Insider trading, the average American doesn't know what insider trading is. They have no clue. Um, they'll they'll believe what they're taught they'll believe if they trust the pundit if they think the the the, you know the, the the tv anchor is handsome in terms of like a cohesive understanding of what can be done to fix this or like who's actually at fault i just i don't think any of them know um and and you and for that you need to focus on like simple messaging and what the republicans have done is they've completely consolidated their message behind being fucking dishonest and fascist. Um, but that is a message. Whereas for the Democrats, it's like there is nothing they can say about Republicans while being honest that does not either in some way impugn them exactly. or... It suggests some kind of revolutionary or radical sentiment, because if you start attacking Republicans for being fascist insurrectionaries and then like start going after them with like sedition arrests or whatever, which would be based in red pilled, um, they would be doing that in in a fashion which kind of implicates their collaboration with Republicans for the past like half century. There's The system as it is right now just does not permit Democrats to do anything without like kind of betraying their their greater interests. So, you know, here we are, I guess.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, it, it, I see why some people feel somewhat defeatist, you know, because yes. you look at it is, and we're living in this like, well, I mean, it's like, you have a, this facade of a democracy where you're offered, and this is how I was trying to explain to someone. It's like, okay, yes, you get a choice of the menu off the menu, but someone else is providing you with the menu. So like the menu that's being provided to you, you have no choice over that. You just get a choice on that menu. So it's not real anyway. So I can understand why some people get defeated, especially people on the extreme rights and left.
0: And I also think that there's something to be said for the fact that it doesn't really seem like any of the so-called, whether it's the squad or even Bernie, you know, especially in light of what happened with the railroad workers, there was no real fight there. there I feel wasn't, like that. Yeah, there, what wasn't even a, there wasn't even a fight regarding, you know, Hakeem Jeffries becoming the minority speaker, whereas on the GOP side. I mean, Kevin McCarthy has like a legitimate challenge to his speakership. And so I'm. why do you think that is? Why do you think that fight is so much greater on their side? Why are
1: they more democratic? The Republicans are more democratic in their electoral process. They have one in, rule. Internally,
9: they actually are. That is yeah. that is absolutely true. Um, they're actually willing to shake things up because they're terrified of their base. Democrats, um, Democrats hate their base. Um, they don't give a fuck about them. Republicans also hate their base, but they're terrified of them. It's a very different kind of disdain. Um, Republicans, there was that report on like the Tea Party or whatever. Republicans will literally like catapult their party in whatever direction they think will appeal to like racist old white people. Whatever kind of old white racism is going on right now, whatever is in vogue, they will like, they will, they would like a panic flop sweating. They'll be like, okay, uh, 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 wait, what's, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? Running around, like whatever they can do to appeal to them. There was that bombshell report that was done on Facebook like eight months ago where it was like, um. The uh, the um, um, the 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 way that they conduct moderation for Facebook was a bunch right. of European far right parties actually moved farther right because their constituencies on Facebook had gotten so radical because of the way content was recommended to them that the parties themselves were being moved to the right to keep up with the belief systems of the people who were voting for them, which is insane
1: right. so it's 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 a vicious cycle of pushing further and further to the right. And unfortunately, we don't have something like that on the left. See if we had something like that on the left, and it's it's interesting because what what Kerry's saying is their base has militias and and yeah, that's true, and they are afraid of their base. But what we need to have is where labor is our base and they should be afraid of that. And, they should and be that's militant. what and they this should is be, supposed to be. be. And they could be
0: militant even if they're not walking around with AK-47s. Well, look, I am very, okay. I am not a
1: violent person. I don't condone violence, but I understand it. And I think it's really ignorant to think that we're going to really get anywhere without some level of violence. And when people are like, Nancy Pelosi is wondering, why would someone break into my house? Oh, gee, I don't know, Marie Antoinette. Why would somebody break into your house? I, I think we're going to start it more but, and more. Well, that's the yes, problem. I'm not doing that it.
9: guy. That guy didn't break into her house because he has a problem with insider trading. That guy broke into her house because he's a lunatic who was groomed by far right propaganda, and that's the mm-hmm. issue. Uh, You know, regardless of the ethics of it, it is actually really effective to just, um, I don't know, heighten the schizophrenic tendencies of your of your voter base by facilitating a nonstop 24 seven media news cycle about like QAnon adjacent propagandizing and then just like let the craziest people do what they will. That's so much easier than radicalizing people based on something real, like insider trading or like uh, ineffective resistance against fascist collusion. Those things, like real shit does not always beget more real reactions. In fact, oftentimes it's the opposite. The fake problems get the most attention. The satanic panic with the fucking hair metal album is played in reverse, revealing satanic messages. That makes its way up to Congress. Meanwhile, like a thousand real strikes are squashed and unions busted.
0: Yeah, and you hit it right on the head, especially coming from LA. I mean, I remember when the Kardashians, you know, when that show came out and I'm just thinking, This is so unbelievably bad for American culture. And yet millions and millions of people are obsessed with that type of stuff. Like that is what is considered of value today. And there is no value to it. In fact, it devalues our culture. And when it comes to real everyday issues, it's almost like if we're not doing a podcast we're not going to name any names, boss. You probably know some of them. But there are podcasts who literally built their audience just by shit-talking other podcasts. He that's, knows this. That, that's what they did.
9: I've heard rumors of these people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, They're out there.
1: Well, but no, we started this because I actually wanted to do long-form interviews with people that are experts and books and authors and, and educate people. That was sort of my point. Like that well, was yeah, a- well
9: it's 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 just a sensationalism thing, right? I, you see it all around the place. I oh wait, I'm sorry, hold on. My lights are being fucked with. Oh, it um, looks like a club now. So yeah,
1: there. it looks like an ooh. There we go.
9: <laughs> Brought it back. My, Very fancy. Yeah, me and my 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 roommate both have the exact same remote controlled light setup. So sometimes it, if one of us hits the lights, the other person will get hit by it. Um <laughs> but but anyway, it's it's like um so. It's so difficult, I think, to get like the energy of the kinds of people who are radicalized by QAnon combined with the, the, the you know, the truth and the honest reporting and the, you know, I, I guess like responsible yeah. engagement that you would get from, from the kind of production that you would ever want to be involved in. It's really difficult to blend those two. And I don't know if anyone does it successfully, genuinely. It's, it's really tough to do that.
0: Well, I also think if you, you know, like I just finished watching Dope Sick uh, for the first time. We had Beth Macy on the podcast. um, So, of course, I felt inclined to at least catch up to what's been going on. And of course, I, you know, I was familiar with the Sacklers and, you know, what they had done. And obviously, the opioid crisis is completely fueled by the fact that Big Pharma owns our government. No one lobbies Capitol Hill harder than private insurance and Big Pharma. And so, for anybody who has either been touched by the opioid crisis, most people have. Um, for anybody who is tired of the corruption within the health insurance industry that runs our country, a universal health care single payer system is the way out of this. And so when people are looking at it like, well, I don't want the government to do it. The government is funding it. They're not running it. We do not need for-profit middlemen in between us and our doctors. It's almost like you've got to hit people over the head with that a thousand times over before it finally starts to stick.
9: Now, I don't want I the do government it. running the system. You know who I do trust? Hmm. Private insurance companies. Yes, yes. Right.
1: Exactly. That's so. It's been so much better. It's working out so well for us.
9: It's doing. We're doing great. Everyone is doing great. You've um, spoken
1: about this before a few times, and it's been a while. I think. Like, and you've talked about like. Just healthcare in general, and your own, you know, experience in dealing with that, and it's just—it's ridiculous here.
9: Oh no, it's insane. I mean, it's the funny thing is, it's actually so bad now that being wealthy doesn't. My YouTube career is doing just fine. There are so few doctors up here in the Pacific Northwest that sometimes, even if you have a lot of money, um, it can take forever to get an appointment. Um, the system is so strained right now that it is – and there are incentives that, like, push doctors out. There's, like, a doctor shortage. There's a nurse shortage. Um, there are so many, like, in, like individual points of failure. And that's because, you know, at every level, there's, like, 5 million middlemen to every one doctor, to every person whose jobs, job it is to save a life. There are, like, 50 people around them who make money adjacent to them. And they have their – own entirely separate sets of incentives that very, very, very rarely coincide with ours. It's insane. Um, Yeah. You were talking earlier about the, um, about the, um, oh God, what was it? It wasn't, it wasn't the insurance. It was the, um, oh, um, uh, um, fentanyl, right? This is another one of those like rhetorical things. The fentanyl crisis in America right now is primarily a product of irresponsible prescription from pharmaceutical companies. They will lobby at medical conventions and they will push doctors to recommend their product um, because getting people on incredibly addictive pain meds is a really easy way of getting them out the door quickly. Um, And then these people all develop like addictions and Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, whoops, oh, (laughs) that's, that's crazy. But the Republicans are the only ones talking about this and they blame China because, like, fentanyl comes in from China. Like, you're ever going to close the fucking border with China? Good luck with that one. Um, When in reality, like, all it would take is anti-pharmaceutical regulations done here at home to change things. But we're not going to do it because nobody wants to call them out.
0: Well, they're on the payroll. They're all on the payroll. And And then you wonder, at this point of his career, why Bernie isn't using his... Remember, Bernie used to do his barnstorming speeches on the house and senate floor when no one knew who he was if he started doing those barnstorming speeches right now with millions and millions of people who listen to him on the regular imagine how many people would be inspired by that i just don't understand why that's not happening right now the way that it needs to i think no. it, oh sorry no please well i think i'm of two minds on this one
9: i i have I'm gen- the, generally speaking especially when it comes to other leftists I never want to assume bad faith on their part because there's like an entire cottage industry on like ah that person's betrayed the real left i the yeah. real left will do this and like and then somebody else shows up and they're like oh well, this person betrayed the real left so i and this happens forever and ever and ever and leftists have been killing each other over shit for ages so it's like an ongoing problem i trust the hell out of bernie my guess is like it's one of three things either my man's tired which I mean, he is really old. Yeah. Okay, if you guys think I'm going to be an effective political messenger when I'm like 800 or whatever, fuck no. I'm taking that money and I'm staying in my summer home. I'm surprised he bothers at all. Um, That's what I say. That's one. And I think the other one is like, my guess might be that he's terrified of causing like rustling within the Democratic Party right now because he doesn't see a road forward for the left at this particular moment in time but he does see a a point where any weakness in the Democrats is very useful to like the fascists um so he he might be like very unwilling to you know what i mean like and i don't know if that's right on his part but that that is a concern i could see being valid depending on how you looked at it
0: well, I see us as we, we, we are sliding down the mountain and now we're sliding down the mountain very quickly. And the quicker we fall down that mountain, the easier it's going to be for somebody who, whether he's a fascist or not, he is at least an authoritarian, no question. But Ron DeSantis will appeal to a lot of this country for a lot of reasons. He's got the picture perfect family. He's got the picture perfect pedigree from the fact that he was a star athlete. He's Ivy League educated. He is a, he served our country, was a soldier and jazz a lot of people, we love that. Torture a lot, hey, even better. Oh yeah, no, yeah, we love that shit. He agrees with that. And then you have this real or imagined, mostly imagined, he kept Florida free. And for a lot of this country, that's resonating right now. And if you don't have anything to fight back against that, you're in a lot of fucking trouble in the future. And it's going to be not only to the detriment of the nation, because I do believe that if it is Biden versus DeSantis, especially because DeSantis is 40 years younger than Biden is, Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. he is going to run circles around him out there. His wife, Casey, is so easy on the eyes from the way that she speaks, the way hey, she looks. Thank They've God talked, DeSantis is super uncharismatic. At least we have oh, that going yeah. from. <laughs> Oh, he's got his You know, it's almost the opposite because he has Casey. He, everyone has always said that his political ascendancy has a lot to do with her, that she has played a significant yeah. role in that, and he's got the most adorable children.
1: But it's not like Joe is Mr. Charisma.
0: That's the problem. Oh, no, to-
9: no, no, for sure. I'm just, I, I I find DeSantis very distasteful to listen to because I just feel like he's trying to, he's trying to like do a workshop done bit. Um, yeah. But he's, mm-hmm. he doesn't have any energy. So it just comes across kind of pathetic. But that's a me thing. You know, America is going to resonate with it. He's going to ride hard off the, yeah, he kept Florida free bullshit. Yeah. Um, even though he was literally sending like agents of the state to go shut down reporters who were talking about like, florida's death toll from covid never but well matter. here's
1: the thing
7: reality you
9: know, doesn't matter
1: <laughs> the authorities here's the thing he's this should, honestly his slogan should be i'm an authoritarian but i get shit done
9: that's, <laughs> that's and, what and, he's going to do that's what he's going to say yeah
1: well, i don't know but that it's like but let me say this so we just recently had that hurricane here and he got that bridge put up to sanibel Really fast. And I have no doubt that if that were Charlie Chris sitting there, that bridge would not have gotten done as fast as it got done.
0: And one thing that people never emphasize enough when it comes to the the WWE that is the political arena, the average voter gravitates towards leaders, authoritarian for the most part, who want to kick ass and take names. And they don't care if it's actually being done to the benefit of the worker. Because so many people, I truly believe this, Vosh. I believe that one of the reasons why a lot of people have, a lot of young people, especially a lot of young entrepreneurial, you know, independent minded people are gravitating towards the GOP, their attitude has basically become, well, I can't fix the system, I can't change it. So I might as well go to the party that actually wants to help me succeed. Like, no, I think is, that's in part and parcel of the mindset the, that a lot of them take on the
9: Peter Thiel line. This is like the modern Silicon Valley fascist bit where it's like, they're not ideologically fascist in the sense of like blood for blood for land, you know, um, glory to the fatherland whatever. But more so they, they they see America like a failing startup. And what you do with a failing startup is you clear out management and you get a new go-getter up there on top. A lot of people think that authoritarianism means getting shit done. In reality, it, it often doesn't. Um, the bureaucratic and managerial subsystems tend to fail in authoritarian regimes. A lot of things get gummed up, but they're very good at making a show of the couple of things that do end up getting pushed through really quickly. Because yeah. of course, you know, transcending democracy means you, you can get stuff done faster, of course. You're, you're skipping deliberation. And they're really good at weaponizing that politically. Um, and and I completely agree. Democrats have abandoned, fully abandoned this line. The idea of like, we are go-getters who will get stuff done, gone. Democrats don't even bother. It's, it's, it's done. It's dead. That idea is just not something they care about selling people on. And that's what people want to hear right now. It's what I want to hear. You know, I want, I want to believe, even if it's a fucking Democrat, you know, I want to believe that. When I vote for somebody, they're going to be like an activist in office. They're going to sit there and they're going to take their time to, in every way possible, promote the values I voted them in for. And but But Democrats, it's just, you know, hey, don't worry about it. We've been doing this for a long time. And uh, we're going to keep doing it the way it's going because it's going fine. Wink. And that just doesn't sell with anyone anymore. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. But I do feel this.
1: <laughs> no, it's the problem. There's no real choice.
9: Yeah,
0: it is it is sad. It's,
1: it's crap or crappier. I know
0: we've mentioned this before you've been on, but if you haven't had the opportunity to check out Whole Washington, they really are a great grassroots group. They're trying to get a ballot initiative in the state of Washington to basically have single payer health care. Now, everyone says, well, you can't do it at the state level if you don't have the backing of the federal government in terms of, the, uh, you know, being able to have uh, the currency, uh, to, to have the funding for it properly if for whatever reason there's a short. Well, the goal, of course, is to make sure, and Tom Hartman, who's been on our podcast multiple times, has brought this up, is that the only way it could work at the state level is if there is, there's like this clause that is on at the federal level where, which uh, essentially like it prevents States from accessing federal funds for the purposes of things like healthcare. Shocking. Um, if we are going to be able to do any type of legitimate pushes, I think focusing on policies, focusing on this coalition building, and especially something like a ballot initiative, that's what works here in Florida. The best thing that we, the best things we get in Florida our ballot initiatives. That, really, oh,
9: God. Oh, gonna fucking, I'm so sorry. I was going to say that earlier. Yeah. One of the biggest indictments against Democrats is the fact that if you put policies on the table, America is in favor of Democrat-aligned policies two to one almost every time. The yeah. fact that Kansas fucking shot down that state constitutional amendment to allow for um, abortion bans. Course. Um, while voting in Republicans across the board is such a disgusting indictment of Democrats because it means that when you strip Democrats away from Democrat policy, all of a sudden it's an uncontroversial win. Republicans win elections despite a minority of the country caring about their policies and Democrats lose elections despite a majority of people yeah. in the country caring about their policies. It's insane.
0: This should be a layup for them three extremely red states kansas kentucky and montana all voted to codify Roe because the people had an opportunity to vote for it the only state that has made it ironclad law and people are going to fight it we'll see what happens but indiana obviously rejected a woman's right to choose but why did that happen Because the GOP state legislature decided on their own. They didn't give the people the opportunity to have a say so. And so that's the problem. The overwhelming majority of the people in this country, when it comes to the issue at bar, know how to vote the right way. They may have their reasons for voting GOP or voting Democrat. But when it comes to those, it's like when people say, well, you know, they say that 80 to 85% of the country believes in a universal health care system. But, you know, when they learn this, that, no, 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 no. Most people are not as dumb as you think they are. When they're given the opportunity to really understand a serious issue, like whether or not they want to have for-profit middlemen in between them and their doctor, people understand what that means. And they know they don't want that. When it comes to whether or not a woman has the right to choose what to do with her own body overwhelmingly, people know exactly what to do.
1: Well, along the same line, we had uh, Trump won Florida, but that same year we passed a $15 minimum wage by ballot initiative. Yeah. Um, And yet we can't get our Democratic Party to be pushing for a living
9: wage. Reenfranchising felons, which the Republicans immediately were like, wait, 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 and then undid with, um, yeah, by, by putting a, yeah, no, yeah, it's, I, I, it is, it is pretty disappointing. I, you know, I know that Republicans have been increasingly upset over the past half century because every passing decade, all of the degeneracy they fight against becomes more and more popular. And that's great. And that's fun at all. But the, the, the fact that all you have to do to sell people on democratic policy is not, bring in the democrats is such an indictment of them as a party and it's like it, it is if ever there was an ability to do a party-wide like vote of no confidence they have fucking earned it um yeah. they they find it's incredible they find ways to make good things seem unappealing almost every time to a lot of americans
0: phenomenal stuff yeah
9: no. oh and, and i i've also meant to say as long as i'm rambling um that a lot of this also comes down to um media spread democrats don't have any way to get their messaging out if they even had a message they wanted to share which is its own problem but outside of that um like in terms of television the uh the republicans uh, you know tucker carlson whatever bullshit most popular on tv in terms of the internet um TikTok, owned by china kind of a wash there but they do ban gay people for being gay so that's not great um Twitter currently owned by a far right lunatic, Elon Musk. Uh, Facebook and Instagram owned by Zuckerberg. Um, also, Facebook, far right hellhole. You know, uh, in terms of like publications, left wing publications online have a paywall that you need a subscription. Right wing publications don't. At yeah. every level, they're just better at getting their message out there.
0: How about the fact that YouTube is so damn suppressed and everyone has been saying, well, listen, you know, Rumble tends to be definitely on the right, but at least you'll get your message out, whether people will like it or not is a matter of circumstance. But, you know, at least they're not trying to keep it, you know, shut down. But I still think it all gets back to Greg. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. This has been a great definitely. night. You guys have been fantastic. Yes, our uh, top
1: three, our top three are going to get the pencils. Going to
0: get the pencils. That's top three are get
1: getting our festivist pencil I, sets.
0: Vosh, you've hit it on the head and I think everyone one just needs to understand that this is really all about labor. Anything that will fundamentally change the economic and political infrastructure of this country is when the two parties will unite to crush us. And that's what happens. And we have to recognize that all of this other, as you said, bullshit that people get distracted by, like which uh, podcasters talking shit about who or God knows what. Well, hold on. Even-
9: I love talking shit about podcasters. Let's not let's not take away my favorite pastime. OK, <laughs> now you're coming for reason- my rights, huh?
0: No, I'm not going to take away your right because at least what you do isn't centered around talking shit about other people. You talk about things that really matter. No,
1: he plays video games. I play
9: video games and I shit talk people. And that's what I that's- love to do. <laughs> mm. No, no, I, I fully, there it, there is like a, a strong non-productive tendency. Oh, speaking of, oh wait, do I want to shit talk a podcast right now? Okay, okay. there's there's another podcast, very popular on the left that I'm not going to name, okay? They rhyme with okay. Schmappo House. Um, and <laughs> look, I'm not going to doubt the lefty creds in these people, because that'd be pretty dumb. They are leftists. However, right. after um, after Bernie kicked it in the primaries, um, I feel like there was like a, a real loss of hope on their part that led to a, a diminishing of the value of some of their takes. I've said this a billion times before. I'm not airing this to do here. In fact, you two completely disagree. You have no qualms whatsoever with Chapo Trap House. You've told me so before. Um, just me. But. I will say, like, the more things get fucked in this country, the more necessary it is that we find excuses to focus on literally anything other than infighting. It's one of the reasons why over the past year or so, I have been like, I've like, I've been I've been biting my tongue, you know, like I've been really trying to not argue with other people on the left. And um, I, I think of done uh, like kind of well in that regard it's something that i've had to put effort into because as a leftist you know the first people you go after are the leftists but it's really worth the effort um and i uh i don't know i hopefully it amounts to something because we really need that solidarity right now
0: desperately we can't thank you enough for coming on obviously this has been a i always this love is,
1: chatting with you it's been a
0: great episode,
1: i, I always i find you very yes. interesting
0: Oh, well, I love talking with you both as well. First
9: of all, phenomenal DJT impression. Second of all, you're incredibly pleasant to talk to. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'll Thank give you, you since,
0: since you're such a great guy, I'll give you one more. Uh-oh,
1: who so else do we have? Well, we've, to- got,
5: we've got the kid. Well, we've, got the, we've got the guy we love. Okay,
1: all right. This is the only one that makes me feel like I don't have to move over three feet.
0: Bosh, well, I just want to say, if you had any idea what I have to go through on a daily basis up on the hill, it is not fun. Jed, it's great to see you. This is the Festivus for the rest of us. It's a very important holiday. It should be a national holiday. We should have a three-day weekend. Festivus, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. should be great.
7: Thank you so much, Bernie, for showing
0: up. No, of course. No, we must stand together as one people, united behind labor, because if we do not, there is no way this country is going to survive much past 2023 or any further into the future. You're looking at a very dark future. Unfortunately, I have to support my good friend, Joe. Joe is not your fucking friend. Well, I don't have a lot of friends, so you got to give me a break. Let uh, me do it. Except that I'm going to try to push it very gently, maybe a little forceful every once in a while, that uh, you might come around and understand that there are very pressing issues to the American people right now. Oh, my so, God. So, Vosh, I, I don't, don't get to watch your podcast. I heard it's very popular. The kids seem to love it. So <laughs> keep spreading the good <laughs> message about... <laughs> we must have social democratic policies in this country. It's what the American people want. They just don't have enough leaders that are out there fighting on their behalf. But rest assured, oh, my Bernie, fellow Bernie. Americans, I am fighting on your behalf. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. I will go enjoy my festivist Hanukkah Christmas weekend with my family. Jen, good to see you. Bye, Bernie. Keep doing what you're doing.
9: Thank you, Bernie. You're an inspiration to us all. Bye. He inspired so me. Good.
0: He inspired me more than He does than, good, uh, Bernie, right? Yeah, more than most. He does good, he does good. good period.
1: Yeah, he does some good ones,
0: yeah. No, I try. I, I try. And again, it's like, why do we do this? We do this because we give a shit, because we believe. We believe that, you know, tomorrow could be a better day for the American people. Uh, did Nevin Gusick actually drop us 20? Nevin, I'm going to assume you did that because you really liked my impression. That's what I'm going to assume. I'll pretend impression. like that's that's my tip my tip for doing the burning impression I'll take that all right so you guys have obviously nice. been great Vosh uh what are you working on anywhere that anybody can find you anything specific he's
1: exactly where he is that's where people find him he's right there well,
0: there could oh, be people do. who don't know him so I don't know <laughs> I'm just trying to help him you, can, him. He uh, you can
9: you can find me at Vosh pretty much everywhere <laughs> it's been a delight to be here um, I am, uh, I'm really looking forward to what kind of good we can do in 2023, if, you know, if at all might be 2023 fucking sucks. Uh, and if, and if that's the case, you know, uh, then I look forward to, uh, weathering and surviving 2023 as we have this winter storm that has blitzed Seattle, uh, you know, um, and, and frozen my roads and kept me from getting more cat food
0: when they need it.
1: You have legal cannabis and Death with Dignity. I don't want to hear anything from
0: you Actually, people. I think uh, Oregon has Death with Dignity. No, no Washington, Washington does you, it you too. You have it now?
1: Oh, good, good. They have it and Oregon has it.
9: We uh, recently lost a large caliber magazine. So actually our freedom is waning.
0: Oh, man. Oh, good if, God. All, how are you going to live? How are you I ever, know. Oh, man. And, and you know, the funny thing is, is that when you go to the, to the gun range and you're using that type of weaponry, you just know that there are people who do it because they really wish they were doing <laughs> They were, they, they're imagining who they could be doing it to. I, I'm sorry guys, but when you, it's one thing when you're shooting a pistol, when you're shooting a rifle, there is a huge difference. When you're shooting a machine gun, sorry. Just had to put that up.
1: You're such a gun official. You know. yeah.
0: I am in favor of the second amendment, but I'm also realistic. And I think more and more Americans need to be realistic, but that, but I digress. Vosh, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so
1: much. It's good and to see you.
0: Obviously, happy holidays to you. And we'll hopefully happy be, new year. we'll have another conversation in, in in the new year. Yeah,
1: don't go
7: no,
9: too far. I think we will. All right. Have a wonderful holiday And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Be well. Bye. Take care. Bye.
0: Well,
1: he's so sweet.
0: Yes. And he's I know he's a nice
1: boy because he's so smart. So he's we have fun. to
0: so we have to pick our three winners. So this is definitely
1: a- double K is getting her pencils.
0: Yes. Du- double
1: K is getting the Festivus pencils. Getting... I might stick a little something, something else in there for her too. All right.
0: So. You're th- going
1: to have to add up, but yeah, we're going to have to look guys and see. Got
0: Carrie, Carrie's at 20. All right. Uh, we're going to figure
1: it out guys. But in the meantime, if you guys aren't patrons, <coughs> please check out our Patreon. Um, Right now, the truth is there isn't that much going on in there because there hasn't been that much interest in Patreon. I'd love for there to be a little Patreon community and I would be totally happy to having like member meetings once a month and doing that kind of stuff. Like, I want to do that. We started out, you know, trying that. No one ever came. So I'd really love to be able to create some sort of good Somewhere Patreon of community, but I just, well, yeah. I need some people to join, give some feedback, you know, reach out. I'm actually the person who, overseas our little Patreon account as for right now it's pretty small, but um for five dollars a month, you guys can Ooh. support our show for uh, sure.
0: For firmware is at 30.
1: Okay, so we're we're tallying, guys. So um, guys, check it out. Five dollars a month, you can be a, a patron, ten dollars a month. will get you uh the Lulu sticker and the mansion parliamentarian sticker, and for twenty-five dollars a month, yeah. There's the well, you we got yeah. For $25 a month, you guys will get our generational change jersey. Um, you have one sitting over there.
0: Uh, yes, I do. I think you do. Yeah, um, guys. So
1: for $25 a month, you get the generational change jersey. Here comes the sun. And on the back, it's got our generational change logo. They're really cute.
0: Um oh, was at 40.
1: And okay. yeah. So yeah. And, and that way you'd be supporting us. And if you happen to be a local small business, actually, if you're a small business anywhere, we're happy to promote you. But locally. If you are a small business and you would like us to promote your show, we are very happy to do so, and we will do so on a daily basis. That and for fifty dollars a month, you could be what we call a small business neighbor. Um, if you're a taco truck, I'd be happy to even come into our show at your go for ta- I
0: could go for tacos right anyway, now. Anyway, let
1: me tell you. So you have? Are you tallying? I am. Because Double K is a patron, so you, I have your address. Double K
0: is getting one. Yeah, but Farmware's for and, okay, one. okay,
1: so Farmware. Um, how, can they message us? Can, yes. can you guys well, private
0: email, You know, guys, we're going to put it in the chat right now. We're going to put in like our
1: winners in the chat. Nevin,
0: Nevin Gusek is number three. So there, there are your three okay. winners.
1: So guys email your address the, the, you guys here. You're going to put in the chat who our three yeah, you know. people are, well, I double K. I have your, your info. Three so winners. our three winners tonight are three
0: Festivus pencil winners. Double K firmware and nevin goosey
1: so firmware and nevin please email your snail mail address to generational at gmail.com yes. and i will be very happy to send you your festivus pencils you won't get them probably till next year please
0: i remember. like being able to
1: say that and know that it doesn't mean i'm going to be completely irresponsible because next year isn't that far from now
0: No, it's definitely not.
1: So, well, yeah, I'm excited about this. I saw these and I'm like, okay, I have to be able to give these out. They're really funny, guys. And I don't even have, this was all that he had left. I took whatever he had left sitting at the counter. You know, the guy at the candy store, I like. Yes. And he knew my name and my friend was so impressed. How does he know you? I'm like- You're kind of a big deal. I'm a big deal. No, because I eat candy. So um, I got three and I'm going to give all three away. So I'm not even keeping a Festivus pencil set. yeah very excited so guys send us your address farmware and nevin send us your snail mail addy
0: but if you're feeling ever so generous um you know and of course we appreciate any and all uh generosity
1: yeah for sure but if you ever want to donate and not necessarily do it on a super chat or give a piece of it to google because you know you can also use our cash app
0: which is always appreciated. Always
1: appreciated, and it's and it's Gen Change dollar sign Gen Change, and all of our money just goes towards we help people, and I and I we throw a few bucks to yep. like our friend Ben here who's doing camera work for us, and somebody who does um who we'll does our good, video. Clips. We've got a lot, I think we've
0: got a lot of good content that we'll <laughs> be seeing over time. You guys will see the wonderful clips. I think you'll enjoy. Uh, we do not currently have scheduled guests for Monday, the day after Christmas, but, but we had two guests that were supposed to be here tonight that should have been here. Maybe we could ask them to join us on Monday. On Wednesday. Yes, we, that's true. On Wednesday, Jordan and Steve. On Wednesday, we may have, may have, not a guarantee yet. Uh, but Wednesday, we may have a railroad workers panel. We are working on that. So we'll see what happens on the 28th. To start the new year, January 2nd, we do not have guests yet, but on January 4th, I don't know if you saw uh, what I, I said. I did, today. I saw that
1: was really cool. And I, I wasn't even familiar with this person, but Olivia apparently- Alexander the, the Kush, Kush Queen. Queen. I went, once I saw Kush Queen, I knew she was my kind of people. So then I went to her, um, I don't know if it was her Twitter might've been her Instagram. Instagram. It was, I went to her Instagram and I watched a few clips and then I thought, yeah, she could be my kind of people. She's definitely cool. I didn't know of her as an actress. I didn't know of her in any capacity, but that's cool. So we're going to be talking
0: with her. I'm assuming. So we are on rumble guys. So if you want to check us out there, thanks uh, you wanna... Ben. Thanks Ben. Thanks, so ben. working on uh, getting an even bigger audience as we go forward, we'll definitely do some good numbers tonight. We've got lots of great clips. Um, we love everybody who's on the show tonight, but my God, there is really a certain level of passion in Max Alvarez, especially oh when God. he talks about the. And guys, the his workers. book
1: is great. I yeah. actually did read it, and I he was, when he was on because you got him on so fast, I hadn't finished it yet, and I still went and finished it, even though he had already been on the show. Like mm. it was really good. Like I was really into, and and for a for a nonfiction book to be very like where you're in it, like you're really in it. It's not easy, and it was really good, but the stories are so outrageous, some of them, and they're real. It's what real working people dealt with during the COVID year, and he interviews everybody from um, one of the people was a burlesque dancer, one of the people was a bartender, he had um, a a minor, a a minor, oh, it's not in front of me, I have the other two books, all right, I'm going to look it up, entertain people in the meantime.
0: So we certainly hope you all have had a great holiday week. Obviously, it's going to extend for about another, you know, 10 days or so. We hope you enjoy it while it lasts because it never does.
1: Okay. Uh, The name of the book is The Work of Living, colon, Working People Talk About Their Lives and the Year the World Broke. But it's called The Work of Living. And it's a great book. It really is. And each chapter is a different Person, Oh, the the person that was talking about their experience in the gig economy, you know, what that's been like for for people. And just he's so on the ground with labor. He's really great between him and like the guys at More Perfect Union. I feel like those are the people that are and Jordan that are really covering. And, you know, the the labor is just being so snubbed by mainstream media and it's very important. But Max's book was actually, I'm telling you, like, it's not, I read a lot of books for people coming on the show and some of them I kind of have to get through. His book was really easy to get through. It was really good. So,
0: yeah. Big shout out to everybody who attended tonight. Of course, we really appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, needless to say, uh, <clears throat> happy Festivus, happy Hanukkah, Chris. I'm
1: actually kind of liking this.
0: Yeah. The well, Festivus you know, this pool. is,
1: yeah, it's our Festivus poll.
0: By the way, Jen, would you like to, before we go, I'm not like to doing tell...
1: feats of strength with you. If you and would Ben like... want to like take it on the Just... mat over there, he's a lot more, no, he's a lot like more tell... worthy opponent. Would
0: you like to tell the audience what Festivus miracle I, I, I gave you?
1: What was the Festivus miracle? A gift. What Festivus miracle?
0: I gave you a gift.
1: You gave me a gift? Oh yeah, you mean the speaker? Yes. Peter gave me a gift. It's a very cool speaker. It's a Bluetooth speaker that he gave me a gift. And do you have I don't know why you think that's a Festivus
0: miracle, Well, though. you didn't expect me to get you a gift, so it became a miracle.
1: No, it a miracle. I didn't expect, well, because I don't do gifts, but like, I don't think of that as a Festivus miracle.
0: Okay, well, the Festivus miracle is going to be the the labor, the uniting of labor in 2024. The oh, Festivus 23. miracle
1: 23. is going to be, we're going to wrap this up and I'm going to go get Menchies with my kid.
0: Yes. Well, that's
1: one of the things I'm going to go do right now. That
0: sounds great. And in the meantime, Festivus thank you all. You've been fantastic. The chat has been great. Paul, Carrie, double K, Paul, uh, Metaopoly, uh, obviously Ben's here, Greg, Travers, you guys. I Colin, and, you know, I, and I know Erdo. I saw fire
1: breathing Rob on there on point was. too. It's yeah, been
0: coming in and out. Well, you know, we've had a long stream three and yeah. a half hours and it feels pretty, you know, and to think like Vosh did
1: this for like 27 hours.
0: He he gamed for twenty
1: seven hours on like a marathon stream. Once. Well, like
0: I said, if you ever run again, and he's willing to have me for a stream, that we like, have
1: thought about that. Like that would be hours. a really good fundraiser for me doing like a video game stream
0: with Vosh. Mario Kart. That's uh, my pick. I'm just for so Jen.
1: not wanting to play video games. Oh, you're
0: going to have to pick something, and Mario Kart seems to be the universal choice for most. So with the, yes. On that note, labor, let's do it. Yeah, we, that's
1: what—that's how it has to be.
0: We will definitely see you guys before the new year. Will it be Monday and Wednesday? Not sure yet, but you'll definitely see yeah, us. Yeah, what next are we week. doing? We'll figure it out. And what are we, we doing for do.
1: New Year's Eve?
0: I don't know. Where are you going? I'll wing it. What I always are you doing? Do. You- I don't know. We'll see. We'll see you soon. And happy Festivus.
1: Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service. Please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.